This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Everybody to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 60. I love those big round numbers. Episode 60. Did not wasn't really sure when I set out to do this that we'd be here 60 weeks later, basically. But here we are. Omakase is still here, still giving you the hot takes of the VOW Broadcasting Network. And my guest this week has been on many of these past episodes. Making his, I'm going to just guess, sixth appearance, I think? Yep. Uh, it is Taylor. Hello, Taylor. Hi, how are you? Good, I'm good. We, it's, uh, I'm on my last real night here before, I guess, Chicago really starts looming. Like, I'm at home tomorrow night, but, like, my friend's coming over to stay over. It's like a whole, you know, you got to do last, last minute packing. Like, this is the last real night. Yeah, for me too, because I my flight is really early on Friday uh, morning. Friday morning, it's at I think it leaves at seven a.m. Oh yeah, yours is way so, early. What are you flying on, JFK or Laguardia? Uh, Laguardia. Yeah, me too. Actually, <laughs> I hate Laguardia, but that's all I can find. I have um, I have a ten thirty a.m. flight, so nowhere nowhere near as early as you. But. Oh, that's more. I don't know why I picked seven fifteen a.m. Probably because it was the cheapest flight at the moment, but. I always book these early flights and then I have to get up early for them. And I think, why did I do that? You know, <laughs> I, five, five months ago or whenever I booked my flights, I guess I wasn't thinking. I usually do it too. This time I just didn't. So I don't know. But you'll be, you'll have the last laugh when like my flight is still delayed. I don't get to go to, you know, your flight's on time. Mine is delayed. I don't get to go to round one like I want to. Very upsetting. But, and then I'm going to eight. You're going to AW too, right? I am. I'll be there. Yeah, that'll be cool. I think I have a like, second row balcony or something. So, if you want to come stalk me, <laughs> you, you know I will movement. be in the front row. So, oh wow, awesome, very visible. Uh, I'm gonna be, I think, second row back of the AW, but I have third row to this fucking whatever the fuck this show is on Saturday night. It's hilarious because, like, I guarantee you, like, there are so many people who want to go to this show more than I do, and I'm in the third row for some reason. Yeah, I don't know how you got those tickets, because I remember buying that day, and it was nearly impossible Yeah, to I find mean, tickets. 
I think I ended up with like the last ticket in the lower level, but I'm all the way off to the side in like the 15th row or something. Trust me, I would much rather have ringside to the MSG show. If anyone's listening and wants to trade, if you really want, if you have ringside to MSG next year, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and you want to, and you have some other tickets for all in, you can trade or, you know, tweet at me or something. But <laughs> I really like I have I have like hundred level tickets for MSJ. Not not great, not awful. It's because it's like in the corner kind of. I'm just hoping they're good, basically. But um, you know, they're, I, I doubt they're going to be terrible. But you know, I would I would I would have much rather have better. But all in, I have fucking great seats. So <laughs> it's so stupid. What are you going to do? Um, but yeah, I'm sure there's lots of people listening. Like. You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> Complaining. <laughs> He's third row to all in. And it's like, look, all right, I'm we'll get to the all in preview. We are, we are gonna preview all in. I'm so excited for this show that last week, um, wrapping up the podcast when I'm like, we're gonna preview destruction. I totally forgot that this would be the last show before all in, and we should preview that too. So there you go. But the main thing we're here to start with is actually DDT. Um, specifically so DDT had a weekend with two King of DDT shows um, on Saturday and Sunday, and then August 25th and 26th, and then also Tokyo Joshi Pro's Korokin show, which was uh, part of a doubleheader on the 25th. Um, so these three shows I definitely wanted to talk about because I, I enjoyed all of them quite a bit uh, to varying degrees. And DDT, I, I don't know. They, would, you, would you say they've had an up-and-down year is... Is uh is accurate? I would say um, accurate. I think that they've been pretty good outside of the main event. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Which obviously the main event is probably what people pay the most attention to. I mean, and rightfully so, as it's the main event. But I think their undercard stuff has been, you know, the funny stuff has been funny. Um, they've done a great job in. And I think I, I think I talk about this every time I'm on the show to talk about DDT. They've done a great job in elevating some of their younger guys. Yeah. Um, from kind of the very bottom of the card up to the middle, and um, you know, near the top with stuff like Manji Manji. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. I want to. I want to throw it. Throw it. Speaking of Manji Manji, I want to throw a hypothesis at you. Is it fair to say? some of the Corrigans have been a little more underwhelming this year because so many matches have to go to Maji Manji. Because I think, I think to me it's self-evident, but I want to hear your opinion. Well, yeah, I would agree. I think that those weekly shows are, I think, almost on the whole, I'm trying to, I mean, I don't remember every Corrigan that's happened this year. I would have to go back and look at the cards. Yeah, there were a couple that were real clunkers to me, which is pretty rare for DDT, and and the rest have been like more middling than like than last year in 2016. Right, so but I can think of a couple Manji Manjis off the top of my head that I know were better than some Korokins. Yeah. Already yeah. without really deep diving into it. So yeah. I think that's really been the strong point. And the part that it's you know, it's very easy to follow. I mean, it's once a week and it's like two and a half hours. So sometimes, you know, like I'm behind right now on it. I haven't watched last night's or the week before. Um, but it was that week before. So, or or I'm behind on two of them or, or whatever okay. it is. Um, but I think they're very kind of 
fun stories. I love the idea, as I've mentioned before, of the guest commentators bringing people in. I think that there's kind of a different energy that lends itself to even when the matches are not necessarily top, you know, top shelf. And I'm not saying that they're bad on the show, but I think it's just an energy of kind of, you know, this DDT energy of, oh, we're all here. We're having fun. Here's all the different kind of matches we do. We're on Corican. I often go into the Corkins thinking to myself, okay, the matches, you know, at least the top few matches should be really, really good. Um, because it's a Corican show. It's, you know, their big show that they do every, you know, X amount of time. Yeah. Uh, like they did two time. this weekend. Yeah. So I just think it's a different X. It's also a different expectation. Yeah. It's fair. Um, thing. I don't know if that's just for me or for everyone. No, I think it's uh, fair. Um, but I thought these, I thought these Corrigans were, you know, good. Certainly better than last month's. Yeah, last month was, um, the, was like one of the, the, one of the worst I can recall. So, like this one, these two are both. I, I thought the first one was really good, um, and we'll get into like the the top end matches were so good, uh, in my opinion. And then the second one, not quite to that level, but still fun. So, um, it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts too. But yeah, so but yeah, that, that's basically my thesis: is maybe the Maji Manji is drawing away some of the mat, some of the bigger matches. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. And I like I like Maji Manji a lot. I think it's a cool setup. It's just especially since nobody else does it, you know. In well, Japanese wrestling. and I don't know that it's drawing away matches that would happen on Korokins, but I think they're doing. They're doing different stuff. They're kind of doing out-of-the-box stuff that probably wouldn't be on Corkins, but because it's out-of-the-box and it's interesting and they're bringing people, you know, they had Takeda in that Falls Count Anywhere match, which I thought was an awesome match. Yeah. Um, You're about the four-way, right? Yeah, the four-way. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know if that's something they would have put on a Corkin without, you know, if they didn't have the show, if they would have put it on the Corkin or not. Yeah. So I just think it's kind of, you know, they had the um um six man six person um tag um match with the Sendai girls team that main evented the one show. I don't know if that would go on a Corican and if it would, I don't know that it would be the main event. Yeah. So I just think the matches that they put on there um I, I don't know that the Corkins are suffering because they're putting the matches that would go on these Corican shows on those other shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said before, I, I think one reason is, and maybe these most recent shows, as we'll talk about, prove that point out. Those Manji Manji shows have had almost, I mean, not none, but very little of the title, you know, the KOD title stuff on those shows it's been mainly focusing on tag you know the tag titles the six person titles you know even non-title matches right. and we talk about last month's corican which was not great which was highlighted by the title match and this one which i agree with you was really good didn't have that yeah it was king of d too so. and so you know the question is you know, is that really affecting the whole, you know, is the kind of weirdness going on with that affecting the whole card when it's on there, which could be the case. Yeah. I mean, they, I think there would be a little more tag title 
and six fan tag title stuff on these shows. But in a way, it's like probably the spot shows are losing out too because I feel like those used to main event more than they have since Maju Manji started. Um, but yeah, so let's get into the first show here, which was the King of DDT third round, August 25th at Corkham. Only drew 718 fans, which is a little surprising to me, but people like people decide the other two shows were the big ones, apparently, because uh, they both had bigger attendances, which maybe a little surprising to people with Tokyo Joshi Pro, but the way that that brand has been built up so well this year, I really wasn't that surprised. Um, and it was probably the biggest main event they could do, so... Uh, but we'll get into that when we get to that show. In the meantime here, the third round of King of DDT show opened up with Shinshiro Takage, Koke Iwasaki, Daiki Shimamura, and Reka defeating Toru Washi, Yuki Oreno, Akito, and Yuki Ino when Iwasaki pinned Ino with the vertical drop beam, Rainbuster in 655. Um, I still can't believe Iwasaki's going to Gambare. It's so fucking weird. Yeah. And he gets the pin here to send him off to Gambari Pro. It's just really weird. I mean, that has to be the biggest talent acquisition for Gambari like ever. <laughs> I can't think of anybody. <laughs> I can't think of anybody even comparable. Who the fuck ever goes to Gambare? But, but yeah, um, you know, Owashi was like he was really going full steam. I noticed with this disaster box reboot because he's doing his like old apron pose that goes all the way back to um, his Toriumon days, you know? I don't know if you noticed that, but that was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I thought he was really good in King of DDT this year, so I'm pretty behind a, a serious Owashi revival. I think it could be cool. I mean, I but, like the I like the group. I think it's a good, you know, in terms of who's in it, I mean, I think it's a pretty strong group to have. Yeah. And you got two comedy guys, basically, who who are going to go serious now, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, this is like a fun little opener. Not really a lot to it, but it was cool while it lasted. I don't know if you have any big thoughts on it. Yeah, I don't really have any... I don't have any thoughts. Um, I'm intrigued by Eno, who I've... I don't know if I... I don't know what happened, but I feel like he started last year at Peter Pan, didn't he? Did he debut on that show or around that time? Yeah, something like that. Like at, at least they started like um, they started putting him out. I don't know right. if he actually debuted then. I think he might debut later. Because then I feel like he disappeared for a while. Yes, he did. He got for, injured, and then you know he's back, and I think he's got a good look. I don't know if they see. Like, do you think they see anything in him? What is the... I mean, he got pinned here. He's obviously... He's a, I think they see comedy guy in him, which is he has a, a he has a really funny kind of look, and his facials are pretty funny, so I think they see him as, like, a big goofball. Okay. That's that's my read on it, though. And it could just be that he's, you know, so new, maybe a bit later on he'll branch out. But that, right now, that seems to me, like, the the spot he's in. But I just feel like he was here, he went away because he was injured. And now he's back, and I don't really know where he. I don't know where he goes. Well, isn't he? Isn't he joining? Well, he's in All Out. Yeah, he's joining All Out. Um. So I guess maybe we'll see coming up. I mean, he's. Uh, I still can't believe that what's his name is in All Out. Uh, uh Yoshimura. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. It's a that was a re- really big. If people don't know, Naomi Yoshimura is joining All Out, which he wasn't really on any of these shows, but like, yeah, he's. It's pretty big. 
But um, okay, so let's see. Match number. There was a cool little moment. I thought the end with like Takagi, like huddling up with the three X DNA guys to like send them off, kind of since DNA has ended. Yeah. So that that was kind of cool. Um, then we got the Renegades versus Damnation Six Man. Um, so we had Watase, Jason, the Gift King, Cade, and Ryan Davidson defeating Soma Takao, Mad Polly, and the newest member of Damnation, Nobuhiro Shimitani. Uh, Davidson, of course, pinned Shimitani at the Davidson driver in 958. Um, any idea who Ryan Davidson is? I had no clue. <laughs> no, and I wrote in my notes, I was like, who are these? I, I feel like every DDT show I watch, they've brought in a new uh, Western guy who I'm like, who is this person? And then they <laughs> go away. The very like Alex Ace <laughs> was here for about five seconds. There was some yeah. other guy who had an A name. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, this guy I've never heard of, Ryan David. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I, mean, I don't I, watch American Indie, so I never, I can never tell if it's just like, sh- if I was an American Indie guy, would I know who this is? But it seems like this guy's pretty deep down. Let's see, where does he wrestle? I'm Texas looking at guy. his. He, it looks like he's a, a Texas Oklahoma. I'm seeing a lot of Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea. Um, so. Yeah, but I had I had never heard of him. Shima, so Shimatani, I really enjoy the the gimmick that he comes out with. A, he's so proud to be in Damnation, even as like a junior slash like member on pro on probation. That he has a shirt that says Damnation, and he has a little sign that says Damnation. It's really funny. He like waves it around when he comes out, or you know when he's not in the match. But in this match, I noted like his whole gimmick of. Like, tiny dude who thinks he's actually a huge badass. Like, he's basically like Crash Holly. It, it seems like it's actually gotten worse since he's joined Damnation. <laughs> so, it's pretty funny. Um, and at one point, I noted that, that Jason Kincaid was working this like he's, like, at a gymnastics meet or something with all his, like, flipping and rolling. But the crowd, like, got really into it. So, I was like, well, I hate this, but the crowd likes it. So, good for him, I guess. Um I really didn't expect the Renegades to be the babyface in this match, but they, they pretty clearly were. And, but yeah, it was, uh, there was a, and I, I didn't really even notice what a big boy Ryan Davidson was until he got in there at Matt Bali. They had a, they had a really cool showdown. That was probably the highlight. And then I know Nobuhiro managed to actually knock over the, the giant ass American with a flying shoulder block. That was really cool. So. Um, but yeah, and then his reward after knocking over Ryan Davidson was Soma and Mad Polly both using him as in involuntary footstool to flip off of, like right after. And then Polly like body slammed him onto Davidson. So, but yeah, Davidson recovered and hit like some fisherman's buster kind of thing, and that got the pin. Um, oh, it caused the Davidson driver apparently. This is like I thought this really picked up after a super boring like first few minutes, but to me it was also another example of. Uh, they really can't pick a side with the damn Renegades because, like, they were baby faces here. Like, there was, it wasn't like he, I was like, oh, it's going to be heel versus heel. They worked as matches the baby faces. So. Um, I had a lot of thoughts on the match that really all, none of have to do with the quality of the match, which I thought, like you, I think was mostly fine, um, if not forgettable. I, I'm going to ask you a question because it was something I was thinking of on this show and then the following show. Okay. What do you think about Takao being like the leader of the Damnation B team? Uh, I, th- I think it's cool. Why you don't like it? 
Because to me, it feels a little bit like I think he's really good, and I think it's a little below where I think he should be. Hmm. Not that I think he should replace, you know, not that I'm saying, you know, um, Endo should be the leader of the B team or something like that. I just think he's on the level more of a Endo or the, being with those guys. Now I, it's a three and three, but I just feel like, being in these kind of B matches is sort of a waste. Now it's only, you know, this was only one weekend. It was two shows. So I don't know if he'll maybe do other things. I just feel like he's better than mm. that. Yeah, and I fair. worry about him getting stuck in just doing six mans with, with Paulie oh. and Shimitani and totally getting lost. See, um, I thought, I thought it was because he's just wasn't in King of DT and, you know, the other two guys were, but I don't know. And I, I don't want to read a lot into it. Maybe see where he is le- leading into Peter Pan. But yeah, I would agree with you that he probably is a little bit higher than this. But, you know, da- like Daisuke Sasaki, like Soma was kind of a focus for a while, like right after he turned. And it almost felt like Sasaki took a back seat for a while. So it feels to me like they're just rotating. Yeah, where, that could like, be. Where Sasaki is now... You know, I mean, the other thing, what we were talking before about DDT versus this year versus previous years, like the big thing missing to me versus last year was like, you know, Sasaki almost seemed like he took the first half of the year off, kind of, which maybe is understandable. I think he was probably pretty beat up after that that crazy extreme title reign he had. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Like maybe I think it was like Sasaki kind of went to the background and, you know, that was probably a big thing missing for DDT this year for me is that extreme title reign he had. He went to the background, and Soma got to shine for a while with the the turn and the Harashima feud. But now I think he's probably, like, going to cycle down a little bit here and let Sasaki, like, take back the spotlight, which, you know, I don't really mind. But I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, if it rotates, then that's... I just worry about it's like, okay, you had your moment of... You joined the group, and you were the focus, and now that moment's done, and now you're in this area. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, the other... Oh, sorry, go, no, ahead. go ahead. No, you go uh, ahead. I was just going to say, if there's like some kind of split or something, then it could be like, where does he, like, where does Soma fit in could be a big thing. Because, like, yeah. you know, it's obvious to me where some people fit in, but I don't know where necessarily where Soma would fit in. So, um, My other thought was, and you mentioned Kincaid doing gymnastics, and I've talked on this show before that I am not a fan. Um but I thought during the match, and tell me if you agree with this um, comparison. Jason Kincaid is like if you put the brain of Teddy Hart in the body of Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> that is kind of funny, actually. Because yeah. he does all these weird like flips where you're like, what are you doing? Stop doing that. Why are you doing all these things? And he's kind of that small you know, wiry looking guy. Now, obviously Sabres bulked up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that's just what I thought. Cause it's like a weird, it's just a strange thing. And I think that his kind of peak, if you were like, okay, if he got, if he became good and improved and got better, I think he's like a Mike Bailey type of guy. Yeah. But the the difference between Mike Bailey and him is so wide to me. <laughs> um, 
that a lot of things would have to turn. I mean, the outfit is not good. The outfit he wears that like bib or whatever he wears on his shoulders. Yeah, really bugs the shit out of me. <laughs> I will say, you know what? I'll be fair to Jason the Gift Kincaid. He's grown on me a little bit. He's I hated him when he first showed up. Now he's like a guy who's bad that amuses me. <laughs> like I don't actively want him to go away. Now it's like he's almost charmingly there is such a thing as charmingly bad like to me he has crossed the line me now to where he's charmingly bad if he stays around forever i really don't care but i agree the bit the bit looks really stupid but it, it fits his whole his aesthetic is fucking stupid he's yeah, a skinny it's... white guy doing fucking gymnastics rolls and shit it's pretty it's pretty dumb but i don't know it works for him somehow yeah um and i like david i thought david said was fairly good yeah, I mean, I really expected zero, so he exceeded my expectations of he could move around the ring and do moves. Yeah, which I guess he reminded me of like going to a local show in New York and seeing people who are like figuring out just the basics of wrestling. But yeah. it seemed like he had it. I mean, he had that interesting, you know, as you said, that exchange with Paulie, which I thought was fun. And so he was not bad. And then Watase, I think he feels to me like if you're going to make this a proper thing with Irie, like leading a stable of people, he should be like maybe fourth or fifth or third, maybe. Yeah, and not sick. like the second in command. Yeah, it's, it's a little too soon for him. Like he's like a Chase Owens in the Bullet Club, where I don't think you would ever, I mean, like imagine two years ago, if you were like, "Oh, Chase Owens, he's going to be the second in command of the Bullet Club." Yeah, I think now you could maybe get away with it because he's, you know, gotten a lot better and people really like him. But like two years ago, when he debuted, if someone was like, "Yeah, he'll be the second in command," you'd be like, "No, I don't, I don't buy it." Yeah. So those uh, are my thoughts. Okay. But all right, so match number three, Don Shokudino. Makoto Oishi and Super Sasdango Machine defeating Kudo, Masahiro Takanashi, and Gorgeous Matsuno. Dino submitted Matsuno at the Mako Killer 3 <laughs> in 743. I guess he was preparing for Satomura, which didn't go well for him. Um, spoiler alert, I guess. <laughs> but um, but yeah, here's, here's the thing about this. First of all, Makoto and Sasadango need to do a better job checking for hidden cameras. Before blabbing, I feel like that's a running thing with them. That they basically like they gave away that Dino had a, a shoulder injury. He's just trying to make it to the to the sumo hall. Um, but yeah, it was mostly just a match. Dino kind of countered at the last second into the quote unquote Mako killer, and yeah, not a lot, not really a lot to it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I enjoyed it. I really like Gorgeous Matsuno. For yes. whatever reason, I really like during the match where he did his like springboard um, move and then just went into the armbar. Yes, that was pretty um, awesome. Which I thought was really funny. I just think he's funny, and you know, he doesn't. He, he is really funny. He he doesn't. I mean, maybe he's starting to wrestle again now more. He doesn't wrestle a ton. Like he's not on every card. He's not on every show. Yeah. So I always like that he pops in, and you know. He was in King of DDT and he did, he sang on one of the 
beer garden shows, he opened up by singing for like 25 minutes, <laughs> which I turned on and I was like, oh, he's going to sing for like one song. And then I looked <laughs> down and it was like, so I started doing other things and I looked down and it was like 15 minutes. And I was like, oh, he's still singing. Okay. <laughs> Just wandering yeah. around, talking to people, singing. I was like, all right. Um, all right. So then match number four, getting out of the, out of the, uh, I don't know, the not very great part half of this card. Oh, there was some funny stuff. But Shigehiro Iri, it was weird. Like on the two DET shows, this show was not that funny. The other show was a lot funnier. But the actual match party in this show was a lot better. If you combine these two shows together, you know, you would have had like an amazing DDT show. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so for number four, the special tag match, uh, Shigehiro Irie and Tayo Kea defeated Kasasada Higuchi and Antonio Honda when Irie pinned Honda with the Beast Bomber in 1247. Boy, is Irie looking like the world's biggest dipshit <laughs> after all this shit. Yeah. Goes to him. Dino tells him, "Don't go to America. You're gonna lo- You might lose the title." He says, "Fuck you! I'm going to America anyway." He loses the title to Sammy Callahan. He wins it back, only to lose it to Dino almost pretty much immediately after he gets back. So, uh, yeah, he he does not look like a smart man in all of this. Looks like a dumbass. Which... I just don't know what the end. Like, what is the like? Oh, the storyline ends with. XYZ, like what happens? XYZ happening. What is XYZ? Yeah, it is really weird. I mean, the Eerie thing has been the the weirdest thing of this entire year and what's really dragged down the company. And, you know, I mean, the only title defensive is I really enjoyed was the Higuchi one. So I don't know. It's just, it's been very, I'm hoping it's over, but, you know, there's a, there's a three way title match coming up. He could easily win it back. I don't, I don't think he will, but he could. And, you know, I mean, maybe he'll win it back and lose it to whoever gets the <laughs> the last, uh, what's it called? The last Gauntlet? anytime anywhere at Gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, who the fuck knows, I guess. But yeah, so this was all right. Um, I mean, it just kind of dragged, I think. But I, it, a lot of it could have been like, you know, I just really want to get the King of DT stuff already. But yeah, it was all right. Uh, Tayoke looked Tayoke looked in good shape for a guy's age, but I don't really have a lot of strong thoughts on this. Yeah, I don't have a lot. I don't. The only thing I remember was the um, Gongitsu story. That, yeah. That's the only part of the match I remember is him doing it. Um, yeah, and like Tayoke fell for it. Yeah, because Gongitsu is too powerful. Uh, yeah, so I think me, it was in that weird spot of it's right before those quarter the quarterfinal matches. Yeah. So it really was a tough, you know, it's just like, okay, move on to the, you know. Move yeah, 13 on. minutes was too long for this. Like, I wanted to get to the, I wanted to get to the King of DT stuff, so. Um, but then after that, we had the general election announcements. Um, so apparently we can, somehow we can all vote. If you have a DDT universe subscription, you're listening to this, you're going to be able to vote, apparently. And I like think even the, the even the fr- if you oh, sign yeah. up for the free version, I think you still get one vote. And I think people who pay get like maybe two or three votes or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously, so you 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 voted last year too, right? I did vote were, last year because they opened it up early at Peter Pan. Usually, you would vote by buying merch, and they opened it up early at Peter Pan last year, which Taylor and I both happened to be at. So. You know, we both got to vote. Who'd you vote for? Do you remember? 
I voted for Yoshihiko, who came in like seventeenth, <laughs> and I was really disappointed. Um, and I voted for uh, NWA. I voted for Tetsuya Endo and Damnation. So there you go. Um, I might have actually had multiple. I might have voted also for Sasaki, but I definitely voted for Damnation for units. So, um, but yeah, if you're not aware of the general election, it's basically uh, a pretty simple concept. They rip this off from idol groups in Japan. But they hold these elections every year. And, you know, the, you get to vote from pretty much the entire DT roster. There's a few people missing. Um, most notably, probably Irie is not on the on the, the ballot, which is interesting. It would imply maybe he wouldn't be a Peter Pan or something. Who knows? But, um, but yeah, so Irie is not on the ballot. Uh, Mike Bailey is not on the ballot because he's not going to be there for the entire time. But he will. He, his, t- his tag team with Mao is on the ballot for the best unit but yeah what, what was their new name again it was like moonlight express i think right oh i met i yeah i don't know i missed that i think it's moonlight express i'm pretty I'm pretty sure i could be wrong on that but yeah so they there's a unit ballot and a um a person ballot so whoever wins the general election gets a shot at the kod title whoever wins the unit election gets to host their own um you know produce corican which, you know, that's why we had that Damnation Produce show where all the guys came out in each other's attire, which was awesome. I'll never forget Kenoka coming out as Hiroshima. That was <laughs> so great. But yeah, so those are the two big elections. And apparently, usually it's you would have to buy merch to vote but and like be in Japan. But it sounds like it's going to be an online component this year. And you, anyone who has a DDT Universe, uh, who registers a DDT Universe, even if you don't have a paid subscription, you'll be able to vote. So that's pretty cool. Pretty cool little addition. Um, but yeah, we got a new unit called Compliance <laughs> as the end of the unit election. Uh, Don Shokodino founded it because he said, he basically said all the units are heels. So he wants to found, found a new unit of baby faces who are going to help him maintain order, which I'm like, I don't know if that's really a baby face thing. <laughs> but from his perspective, I guess it is. It's like himself. Uh, all his usual allies, like Makoto and Sasadago, and then also Higuchi's in it. So I think that's it. Let me bring, let me bring up the ballot it's on the DDT English. I should have done this before, but I totally forgot. Yeah, because I yeah. know when he first announced it, he's like, it's me, and I won't tell you any of the members. Yeah, he announced it. I, I, he announced the members on the on Maji Manji, oh, okay. which we're not technically co- covering since I didn't watch it either. Um, but yeah, let's see. I'm going to bring it up here in a second. If you give me a sec. All right. Okay. So the act- the full list of, of units here. We have Damnation, um, who is, you know, I, I think I already know she's in Damnation. All Out. Although, interestingly, All Out does not list um, Yoshimura as a member. I thought, that, I thought that was confirmed, but I guess it's not. Uh, Shuten Doji, who's at this point just Kudo, Sakaguchi, and uh, Masahiro Takanashi. Disaster Box, Hiroshima, Owashi, and Ueno. Um, so for people who don't know, Kazuki Hirata has like an entry match in the Disaster Box. It's coming up on Manji Manji, I believe, next week. So that'll happen at some point. Um, J1 Compliance. Is that now apparently the, the name? Oh, I forgot Honda. He's another guy who has a lot of history with Dino. But yeah, so everyone I just mentioned, plus Antonio Honda. Booing 2018. So not a... Not, not picking, but this time's booing, which is um, <laughs> Matsunaga and Michael Nakazawa, and they claim they have some kind of third member. We don't know who it is yet. 
and then Moonlight Express, Mike Bailey, and Mao. Now, I haven't seen any mention of the losing unit having to split up, which has always been the, the case in the past, but I assume that might still be the rule, especially if they, they created booing to lose. <laughs> so I don't, because that's always been the joke, is in the past years, you know, the, the team that loses is always, uh, you know, picking, and they just form picking every year. And this year, it's no more picking, it's booing, because Go to Ahashi is not taking part. So, uh, but yeah, so then the, then the, the wrestlers eligible, a lot of the guys you'd expect, but then pretty much the entire DET roster. But then uh, Maki Ito basically inserted herself from Tokyo Joshi, and uh, Yumihito Imanari, who's a he's a Gambari wrestler, and then also does like, well, he does like the videos, right? For for DDT. Yeah, he's like the um, video producer or something. So yeah, I think somebody... he was on that that because they did that video producer yes. show um, a couple of months back, and I think he was on that. So he basically inserted a video of himself onto the show, like abused his power to uh to get himself onto the show onto the ballot now now takagi or whoever pointed out immediately like you know tickets for because tickets for det get you votes tickets for uh tokyo joshi and gambari do not get you votes so that is a disadvantage for maki ito and uh imanari yeah michael nakazawa is on here um jun kasai who just was announced is now being full-time ddt so, yeah, pretty much all the guys you'd expect otherwise. A, a few people missing, like we said. Uh, Irie is not here. Mike Bailey's not here. But, yeah, I have no, I, I don't know who's winning this. It's usually – Dino usually does really well, but I don't think he's going to win this year just because he's he's been producer and he's already been champion. It seems weird to, like, the, the fans are give, just give him another title shot. They usually pick somebody who hasn't gotten a title shot lately. So, I don't know. I don't have a good feel for it. Maybe – Maybe somebody like, I mean, it, it really could be Maki Ito, I think. I think that really, I mean, she's a really big deal right now, and they pushed her hard here. I think it could be Maki Ito. I mean, it could be, and she also did very well um, in that initial Manji Manji tournament um, that they had. I think she got to the, I don't know what round it would be, or yeah, what it would be like, called, the quarterfinals or the semifinal. I don't remember what part it was, but... She did well, and she tied. Uh, yeah. It went to a draw, I should say. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I certainly, if we have votes, I certainly would consider her. Yeah. I, th- I think Maki Ita has a really good chance, but we'll see. But yeah, there's our DDT general election breakdown. Uh, then we get into the, the King of DDT quarterfinals, the meat of the card here. Uh, it opens up with Mal defeating Mike Bailey with the Cannonball 450 in 1133. What do you think of this one? I really love this match. I saw on Twitter that you liked it less than me. Yeah. Um, I just liked it. I, I saw you said that you thought it was sloppy and not to like give your opinion while I'm giving my opinion. Um, <laughs> but I kind of liked that it was like kind of wild and sloppy. You know, they talked about in that video where Mike Bailey talked about, he talked about that they were the two craziest uh, wrestlers in DDT and the, the winner would be the person who was the craziest. So I think yeah. the sloppiness was part of that for me was kind of them being like, oh, we, you know, we're crazy and we're going to do these crazy um, things in this match. And, and they did. And I enjoyed it, I think. And I don't know if you would agree. If the Observer crowd watched DDT, I think Mike Bailey is a very strong candidate for most improved. 
Yes, I wouldn't really disagree with that. Um, I think he has no chance because you nobody know, watches DDT. Nobody watches DDT, <laughs> which is also proven by the fact that there was controversy about a 12-year-old wrestling this week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> when it's been happening in DDT for the past like six months. No, six months, like two years. Well, two years, but oh. you know, yeah. he's he's off and on. Yeah, uh, yeah, off and on. Um, I mean, so I will I'm say like, that. Well, kid, I'm like, that well, no one watches take, DDT, so that kid does not take that many choke slams. So I will say that's true. Not shaking choke slams. That is very true. Um, um, but I like to imagine. will fight fuck about that whole debate. But... Yeah, um, I just found it funny because I was like, yeah. Ooh, don't watch DDT. Um, but I like to match. One of my favorite parts was um, Bailey went to do that. I don't even know what he calls it, but uh, like corner to corner spinning, uh, like kick where he yeah. you know he spins around and Mao started spinning the other way, and I think the goal was for Mao to kick him, but it didn't work, and they just kind of ran into each other, <laughs> mm. which I kind of enjoy. I was like. It didn't work, but in a way, it was better than if it had worked for me because it was just like, oh, you're going to do this? Well, I'm going to do it too. And, you know, it just happened. They run into each other and, you know, Mao comes out better. But I really liked the match. I thought it was really good. And I really like Mao and Mike Bailey, so maybe I'm yeah, you know, biased I, I really towards like, it. I really like them both too, so I'm surprised I didn't quite like it on that level. But, I mean, I gave it three and a half. I still thought it was good. I just thought it was the worst of these four quarterfinals pretty easily. Um, but yeah, I mean, not, not real, not any real problem. You, you actually kind of gave my opinion for me where I just was like, I thought it was a little bit floppy. Um, I had higher expectations probably, which was the same thing on the, on the final show. But yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it had, it just too sloppy. Just never grabbed me on that higher level, but you know, three and a half star match is still a good match. You know, still, you know, almost a very good match, but uh, it's just not quite in the level of the rest of these matches. So, the second quarterfinal, Tetsuya Endo defeating Kazuki Hirata with the swivel torture rack bomb in 1222. This I thought was awesome. Um, so, what you know, what really grabs me as, as a wrestling fan, besides the fact that I'm you know, it, it helps a lot if I'm already you know, into the two guys in the match, which I was here, but like, I like matches that like you know, quote unquote, tell a story, which has been very the term. The term of like storytelling, I feel like, has been mm. very abused lately. Because there's some people who think the only way you can do that is to have like a 35 minute match with like, you know, callbacks and a guy running me first into the stage, all sort of bullshit. But what I mean, like a simple story in their match, like basically, I thought they were trying to get across it. Endo doesn't take care of it seriously. And Endo did such a great job, like, with his mannerisms and, like, his general behavior, which I thought was even beyond his usual, like, I don't give a shit type demeanor of, like, basically saying, you know, this guy is below me. And the pre-match video, he basically said something like, he, I know he's, like, my senpai technically, you know, he's my, he's been around doing this longer, but, you know, I don't have any respect for him. He's a comedy joke. So I really thought that was a, that was a cool, you know, story. And I thought Hirata was great as, like, the feisty underdog um, standing up to the bully Endo. Um, you know, there was like a really cool exchange where Endo kept trying to like backdrop his way out of a headlock. Hirata kept like holding on, like he just would not let go. 
and Endo finally went like to a backpack to break it up, but here to like rolled him up out of it, which was like a really cool near fall. And just towards the end, I thought there was some really cool like two point nine counts that you know I was in sport for this, and they really had me a couple times thinking that here just gonna pull it out. But I thought Endo just kind of winning in the end was like the the perfect ending of the story they told. Uh, but yeah, I went four and a quarter on this. I thought that was this was awesome. Um, you know, not not my favorite match of the night because it was a it was a great fucking show, but really awesome match, a lot better than I was expecting. So I liked it as well. I had one issue, and I don't know if you'll disagree with me or not. I felt that near the end of the match, um, Hirata had a roll up off something, and Endo was trying to do something, and he got a roll up that was one of those 2.9s and the crowd totally bought it and they went nuts and then Endo kicked out. And I, it was very close to the end of the match. Like maybe there was a minute or two minutes or, you know, a minute and a half, something like that left. I felt like from that point on, once he kicked out, I feel like the crowd a little bit felt like, like that was the moment if Harada was going to win, he was going to win in that moment, and it didn't happen. And I think the crowd went, oh, he's not winning. Oh, yeah, it's possible. And it felt mm-hmm. like the next, there was like two more close pins, and I feel like the crowd kind of underreacted for me. Like it was like, wow, that was another close pin, and people are really not reacting the same way. Yeah, I, no, that's, that's fair. Um, so that would be, I mean... It's not really the fault of the wrestlers, and it's not like they won another, you know, fifteen minutes or ten minutes or something. Yeah, it was just minute. a, it was just another minute or two. Yeah. But that for me hurt the match a little because it just felt like, you know, the crowd was like, "Well, he can't, you know, he's not going to win." Yeah, I, I, no, it's fair. I just thought, to me, I, I, I thought that both the performances were good enough that I didn't want to ding them too hard for the crowd. Like I. You know, crowd heat is a big part of maybe how you rate a match, but I don't think it's, it should be like the only thing, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it was still well structured. I just, even if what you're saying is true, and I just kind of um, didn't really buy that as a, anything else as a finish. I don't know if I really blame them in the in the match structure they were doing. I thought it was all pretty logical. So, but yeah, I thought this was awesome. And I was, you know, like I said, I love both guys. So, very possible I'm biased here, but I thought it was really good. Uh, the semifinal match, Hiroshima against Yukio Sakaguchi. Hiroshima won in 14.59 with the Samato. This is another really good match. Um, I thought Yukio tried, like, a rush strategy, which was pretty cool. And then we, like, slowed down to, like, some really cool, like, uh, ground grappling type stuff. So if you, how much you like this match will depend on how much you like that kind of ground grappling. Because that was, like, the a good a good chunk of it at the start. Um, I love that stuff. And I was so into it here that I almost thought... They could have stuck with it for the whole match, like um, in that Kushida versus Show Best of Super Junior match. I thought was awesome this year, uh, but they did move on to like more quote unquote normal pro wrestling stuff, and then we got like some really good striking, really hard kicks and knee strikes, and you know by the end I just I really enjoyed this and I gave it you know four stars flat. So another really good match. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, I don't have much to add. I would have liked to see. I mean, it's kind of a mood point because of how the tournament ended up. I would have liked to see Sakaguchi beat Hiroshima. Yeah. Um, just because I think he, I mean, he was good in this match. He's obviously very good. Um, and I just think that would have been an, an interesting 
Um, you know, obviously Hiroshima is great and not saying that, you know, he was a bad choice to go through, but I think it would have been interesting to see Sakaguchi, you know, in the, in the final group of matches. Um, but I think I'm mainly with you. I enjoy, I, you know, I enjoyed it. And in the main event, Daisuke Sasaki defeating Keisuke Ichii with the crossover face lock in 2249. Again, this was fucking awesome. Uh, to me, clearly match of the night. And there's something about Ishii and Cork in main events. Like he always just goes out there to fucking kill himself. It's like the same thing with the the Takashita title match last year. Like he just goes out there and like just says, "Hey, just ram me neck first and do as many things as possible." And it's like that's his like whole play. I mean, um, the entire match was just was Ishii getting his neck tortured. You know, there's that neck breaker by Sasaki over the outside part of the turnbuckle that looked really nasty. There's like a Russian leg sweep over the chairs. Um, then Suzaki did take like a Suzaki took some big bunk too. He took that inverted DT on the apron. There was a superplex to the floor where they both looked like they were gonna die. Um, and I just saw Ishii selling he was that he was being murdered was just like tr- you know tremendous. Um, and then he like he he the the recovery in the slap fight. I I took a little bit points off of that because I've complained about that before. But I thought it was a little more natural than in some of the other matches I complained about. Like it wasn't as egregious. It felt like it, you know, gradually went back up, not just like I'm fine now. Let's strike. But um, you know, there was like a really crazy kick combo after the slap fight, um, and then Ishii hit this like really brutal looking combo of double arm DDTs, and Sasaki just kind of had to like he couldn't even he just had to roll out to the floor in desperation. So that was the only reason why Ishii didn't get the pin. But yeah, I mean, this is like, I don't know. I went four and a half on this. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that actually the the story of the match with Sasaki working over his neck actually played into the fucking finish and he tapped out, which after a G1 of guys getting like beaten on a body part and then that body part having nothing to do with the finish of the match, it was like, you know, finding the oasis in the desert here. But yeah, I mean, like this was just fucking awesome. Um, you know, Ishii, like just, you know, obviously there's a, a far more famous wrestler with that name in New Japan who's well known for killing himself, but Keisuke deserves some credit for like dying for us every time he's in a big match too, because he, he really fucking turns it on when he's in these matches. And this was Saki's best match probably the whole year so far, um, at least since the, the DO. Um, he might have had something better, the DO, like that Ishikawa match or something at the start of the year. But yeah, he's been very quiet and this one, this was like him just reminding everybody like how, how fucking good he could be, so... Yeah, I pretty much agree with you. I mean, Ishii has been good. I mean, for, for a long I thought I thought he's been good for years. Yeah, but he doesn't get these opportunities, but when he does, he really goes crazy. Uh one thing I um you know, that I took note of was there was that move where he was draped over the ropes and um Sasaki gave him that drop kick like right to the face. Yeah. And he snap back in a way that made it seem like he actually got kicked in the face, which I'm hoping he didn't, but yeah, just all the crazy. I mean, that Russian leg sweep, which kind of didn't work out and in a way looked more dangerous because it didn't work out. I think because the chairs of course went sliding all over the place. Um, but I liked, I went slightly lower than you. I went four and a fourth. Um, oh, you hated it. Yeah, I hated it. 
yeah, about, almost the same. Four and a fourth. I'm here to bury this match. Yeah. Um, no, but I liked it, and I think you covered really, um, you know, the highlights of the match. Yeah, this is just just awesome match, and Ishii always gets the. He always he always kills it. It's just it's so similar to Tomohiro. It's like he's so great, and then every time, you know, it seems he, they put him on the back burner for a, a long time, and every time they put him in, in a big match, he just fucking kills it. So, you know. But yeah, that was that was a DET, a King of DET round three. Um, you know, the, the first half of the show, very skippable, but the do not skip those four quarterfinal matches. They were all pretty awesome. But any other thoughts on the show? No, I think it was a strong show. I mean, it's the strongest Corican show from DDT that I can remember in a while. As I said, I would have to go back and probably look at the cards um, and remember, but it's the strongest one in recent memory for me. Yeah. I mean, look, there's um, G1 shows that they give three, four star plus matches to. So, you know. But- yeah, and it certainly felt like kind of a. I mean, if you would have just watched the top four matches, probably could have had the feel of a you know, a G1 show, like a good G1 show where the good stuff is you go, Hey, that was fun. That was good. And the really good stuff you're like, Oh, that was great. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, I definitely agree. Maybe not the best show for like DT's comedy stuff, but there'd be more of that coming. But yeah, so let's see the Tokyo Joshi pro brand new wrestling Two. Now it's time to attack from August, August 25th. Uh, they did 960 fans, which is pretty good. Uh, better than the DT show did earlier in the day, and you know looked pretty looked pretty full on camera anyway. Um, so we opened up with first of all, I need to make fun of myself because I said I went on Twitter. I totally forgot that the New Japan Ring announcer, the old one, I can't I don't remember his name, but I totally forgot he does these corrigans because he came out at the start and I was marking out like, whoa, what is he doing here? And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> or Jesse Jesse had to tell me on Twitter. She was like, you know, he's there every t- every show. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> so, if you're wondering, I'm a, uh, I'm I have brown hair, but sometimes I'm blonde. So, blonde roots. But yeah, so that was uh that was mildly embarrassing. I think I'd share it with the entire Twitterverse. I think it's also because he switches off with, um, you know, the regular ring announcer. Yeah. Back and forth. So sometimes if I only if I was skipping around a show, I could just like not notice it. But you know, I, I was watching from the very start of this one, so I just saw him come out, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I look like a complete idiot. So, uh, but the the show opened after he he made some comment. Apparently, like I think I didn't make it the G one, but I made it here, which is kind of funny. But um, but yeah, so the show opened with the up up girl battle, the up up war, Hikari and Raku defeating Miyu and Hinano with when Hikari submitted Hinano with the uh, Cobra Twist in eight thirty six. The, the, my biggest takeaway from this is Miyu is an absolute unit. That's my <laughs> like she she's like so much like bigger and stronger looking than the other up up girls. It always looks like to me like she's gonna kill them or something. Like she like puts them in those bear hugs and she's like squeezing. But I just I don't know. They always all these up up girl battles, they always devolve into like Miyu just like beating the smaller girls' asses. So that was my big uh takeaway. I don't know. What did you think about this one? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was, you know, just... They're, they're very green, but they, they try hard. Yeah, it felt to me just like an opener of, you know, hey, you know, we're here and, you know, did kind of a, you know, just a simple match. 
So it was good, but really I don't have many more thoughts beyond that. Um, match number two, Nodoka Tenma debuting her new gimmick, team with Yuki Eno to defeat Yuna Manase and Yuki Kamafuku. Uh, Tenma pins Kamifuku with the kill switch in 722. Uh, I like the team of Manase and Kamifuku. It's like, I don't know, it's like five, seven girls uniting or something. Like they're both like big ladies. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense they'd be they'd be a team together. Um and then Nadoka's I mean it, it worked out, I guess, even though they lost, it worked out better than the last time Yuki tried to to team with a a wrestler of similar height in Tokyo Joshi Pro when uh she tried to join up with uh Saki Sama briefly and they spent the entire match with her and like Azusa Christie arguing. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that show, but that was really funny. Yeah. But, um but here Madoka Tenma, you know, the the gimmick looked just as cool in motion as it did in you know in the still images. So that was pretty cool. And she like she basically like at one point Yuki like tried to like fuck with Nadoka about her lack of height before the match and Nadoka got like really mad. <laughs> and like was all fire, being all fiery about it, and then Yuki like tagged out after taking one shoulder block, which I thought was funny. It's like she wanted, she pissed her off, and she wanted no part of her after that. Um, but yeah, this is cool, good, good little tag. I had a note about, and I don't remember. I made this note, and I didn't put enough detail on it. Tedma got dropped on her face at one point. Did you did you see that or remember it? I probably did, but I don't remember it either. I mean, I'm sure it happened. I just remember uh, being like, oh. <laughs> um, but I don't remember at what point um, what point it was. I, You know, I liked it. It was kind of a more, you know, comedy, you know, a little bit of comedy. Yeah. Um, but a fun match, you know, only seven minutes, so yeah, pretty fast. A lot of, this, a lot of this stuff on the undercard was, yeah, it was pretty easy to get through. Uh, speaking of seven minutes and fast, Priscilla Kelly defeated our, our hero, your hero, my hero, Hypermistyle with the osteoporosis in 641. Um, but yeah, this is a <laughs> this is this match is based around like so. So Priscilla Kelly like licks people, that's her whole thing, which is very gross. And Masao was prepared and like rubbed wasabi sauce on her arm. So when like Priscilla Kelly licked her arm, she was like. You know, she was her mouth was burning basically, and then we had, and then Masao like pulled out the entire wasabi bottle and was like throwing it at her and using it as a weapon, like pouring out her in our mouth. But that's that was basically what this match was uh, was based around. You know, you you pretty much know what you're gonna get with a hyper Masao match, I think. But um, it was good. Yeah, and I think in DDT, um, they really lean into the Priscilla Kelly. I don't know if you call it a licking gimmick. <laughs> I think uh, you would actually. Um, all she does, she does it a little bit in evolve, but it's kind of in a like a like a hypnotism vampire kind of thing. Yeah. Which here it just seems more like a I'm a weird person um, kind of thing. There was the um, um. <laughs> There was the moment of ass eating in the match, <laughs> which I found a little bit bizarre. Yeah. Um, you know, just on its own. And then also as a wrestling move, um, seems like it would be ineffective. Um, 
Yeah, I really like Priscilla Kelly for a reason I don't really know why. Um, she's pretty good. I don't. I don't dislike her. Like she has an interesting look. Um, like I like like other people I like. I can be like I like this person because you know they have great matches and they're hard hitting. Or I really like the gimmick is funny or something like that. With Priscilla Kelly, I'm like I like her, but I don't. I don't really know why. Yeah, I, I have people like that too, so it's fair. So um, I didn't even notice, by the way, before this match started, uh, Masao actually told the crowd in Japanese what her plan was with the with the this with the uh, you know putting the uh, the wasabi sauce yeah. on her on her on her mask and stuff. And she basically had like I could tell even with my terrible Japanese, I could tell that like sh- what Shoda was saying as the quote unquote translation was not what Masao yeah, was. It was not true. Yeah, because <laughs> like. Masao was not saying, like, you know, nice to meet you. How, you know, let's have a clean... I could tell she wasn't saying that, so... Yeah, oh, I can't wait for the bell to ring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, she's clearly not saying that, so... So that was funny. But, uh, but yeah, so match number four, Saki Akai defeated her Azusa Takigawa with the Rookie Award, which is her crossbody at the top. If you're wondering why I named that, folks, it's because she won the Tokyo Sports Rookie of the Year when she debuted. I still have no idea how that happened. Must have been a really lean year for rookies. Because she was awful when she started. I mean, do you remember how bad she was? Yeah. She's gotten a lot better now. Like she's, I, I wouldn't even call her, like, good or anything now, especially out of the – like, in the Saki-sama gimmick, which is going away now, apparently. I actually thought she was actively good. Rookie of the Year 2014. Now I'm, Astra. like, trying to look up <laughs> who – Tokyo Sports, rookie. Of but yeah, so, I'm trying to figure out like who her competition was. <laughs> oh, but like I maybe look, she's a very attractive woman. Maybe uh, I'm not saying that definitely one of the voters, but you know, how, I mean, how many five nine Japanese women are there? You know, I guess she just she stood out or something. But uh, but yeah, she so she beat her. Okay, so so to explain this, so Saki Sama went back to France. Or is going back to France. Azusa Christie is no longer brainwashed. So it's the former nun, former brainwashed nun slash former uh, like obsessed bride bride to be or wants to be a bride, bride wannabe, I guess, versus her not quite evil ex-master or evil ex-mistress because it's like the alternate persona of her evil ex-mistress. Everything I just said makes more sense than like every WWE storyline nowadays. <laughs> So there you go. But didn't Saki Akai also? She brought Azusa in to Tokyo Joshi, or she was her first friend, or something, as yes. Saki Akai. Yes, I think I think that's true. Yeah. By the way, there was no winner of Best Newcomer in 2015, <laughs> which shows that the pickings might be very soon <laughs> for this award. Okay. Well, anyway, so the point is Saki Akai. Uh, she got the win here. Yeah, this was this was cool. I didn't dislike this match or anything. Um, you know, the th- there was one moment where at the towards the start, so so sometimes she throws those big like sweeping kicks that she knows she's gonna miss on purpose that her opponent's gonna duck. But like she threw one that was so still so awkward that it came so close, just like taking uh, <laughs> taking poor Zeus's head off. Like it was right inches away, probably from just fucking decapitating her. So that was scary, um, but yeah, she went from um, she went from being pinned to having Azusa in a triangle so fast, like I didn't even notice at first. 
that was a good ass triangle by Isaki yeah. uh, Akai. And she gave her like a running soccer ball kick that looked really brutal. Like the thing, the thing I noticed with her the most is first of all, her like I don't I, I'm pretty sure she's like dating Yukio Sakaguchi. You know, the two of them always are hanging out after the shows and stuff. Uh if they're not dating at least very close friends or something. And I think he's like showed her, you know, like some of the grappling stuff, because I've noticed her grappling is a lot it's like exists now, which it never did in the past. So I think she's gotten better at that. And and she actually like makes contact with her kicks now. Like there was a time when she started out, especially where her kicks looked like total garbage. And nowadays they can they can still look like total garbage, but she makes contact a lot more often. Like someone told her basically, "You're a Joshi. You're supposed to just kick people." Like I know it it, it sucks to be kicked, but that's what we do here. You just kick them as hard as you can, and that's what she does. So, you know, it, it looks a lot better than not kicking them or just kicking them lightly. Um, but yeah, this was, um, in a weird way, like, I think the fact that she's not very good at, like, selling kind of worked for this match because, like, I couldn't tell if she was no selling on purpose because she was, she was so much bigger than Asusa or if she's just not very good at selling and it was just, like, it didn't really matter. It's just, like, that's what she was going to do anyway. But either way, it worked for me in this match and I liked Azusa as, like, the underdog um, you know, you know, you knew she had no chance, especially since she's retiring soon. But I thought she put up a good fight here, and I went three and a half on this. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was good too. And I was going to bring up the point that I think uh, Saki Akai has improved. I also thought that um, while watching the match um, this year, this year has been big for her. Like last into like last year, I think is when she really yeah. started. But like, yeah. Um, yeah, but I thought it was a good match. It's one of those kind of matches where you're more invested kind of in what the story is than what the wrestling turns out to be. Yeah. Um, in a way, but I enjoyed it. I probably would go around, you know, similar to you, um, three, you know, three and a half, maybe three and a fourth or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, after that, we had an up up girls performance. So, hooray! And after that, we had the special singles match. Now, I want to clarify because this happened last week, where we talked about how many up up Kevin and I talked about how many up up girls are having a better year than AJ Styles. And I want to say that for our official um, for our official determination of this, we did factor in their singing ability. There you go. Like, look, AJ Styles, he's not having great matches, and he's also not, not singing a great for singer. He's not, he's not, is AJ Styles putting on idol concerts for my entertainment? No, he is not. Are the Up Up Girls putting on idol concerts for my entertainment? Yes, they are. I'm just saying that's a, that should be part of the people's qualification. The Up Up Girls will make my top 100 before AJ Styles is this year. Mark my words. Uh, match number five, the special singles match. Riho defeated Shoko Nakajima with the Samato in 1142. Um, Riho starting at age nine and being like 21 now is like one of many things that makes me feel old as hell. I don't know. But like I've watched her for so long. Like, you know, not that I'm the world's biggest Riho fan or anything, but like I've seen her show up in so many places over the years. And it's like, wow, she's like a grown ass woman now. <laughs> it's really, it's really weird. Um, but yeah, I just noticed like it was. It was basically, it was probably technically better than the last match, but like without the emotional connection to the ex Bushiki, you know, Bushiki Goon thing, like I wasn't really 
just not, I just wasn't quite as into it. I really liked this match. Um, I don't think it like blew away the match before or anything like that. I just really enjoyed kind of the fast paced um, kind of match that they did. Um, I find the, this is maybe a hot take, but I find the 619 a really dopey wrestling move. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I actually like they had a uh, sequence in this match that was trying to hit 619s on each other, and it happened kind of quickly where it was miss, 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 and then I think Riho hit Nakajima with one that I really liked. So I thought that was cool, even for someone who I usually think 619s look kind of stupid. Um, but I thought it was really strong. Like I was very close to three and three fourths mm. um, just cause I liked the style, the fast paced style, you know, the finisher was the, the knees to the back, the double knees to the back. Um, so I thought it was really good. Yeah. I would, I would have got like three and a quarter, but still I, not to say I didn't enjoy it, but it was, it was just kind of there for me. Um, then we had the semi-main, the Tokyo princess tag team titles, Yuka, Sakazu- Yuka Sakazaki and Mizuki defeated Reika Saiki and Maki Ito when Mizuki pinned Ito with the cutie special in 1559. Uh, the magical sugar rabbits, as they're apparently being called, became the fourth Tokyo Princess Tag Team Champions. Um, yeah, this was awesome, <laughs> first of all. I, I thought it was to Yuka, Yuka Sakazaki. I remember I was talking to somebody else on Twitter about this. I don't remember who it is, but she... Once you understand that she's like secretly a heel, you understand her matches a lot better because she comes out of like that rapid fire. It might have been oyster earrings on Twitter. That might have been what it was. But yeah, she comes out of like this rapid fire, um, you know, happy, you know, happy hardcore theme song. And she's all smiles. But she's like the most vicious little fuck <laughs> in these matches. And her secretly a heel stuff is rubbing off on Mizuki immediately, apparently, because they sneak attacks. Reika Saiki and Maki Ito, like right off the right off the bat of the match. So, but yeah, there was a, you know, there you know they it kind of started with that sneak attack. Then Reika Saiki at one point just like caught Mizuki in midair and just hoisted her up onto her shoulders for the fireman's carry drop. That looks really cool. Mizuki uh, Reika Saiki, very strong lady, if you didn't know. Um, and then Ito came in and just like fucking that was when Ito was just like kicking her when she was downed. And that was pretty badass. She just like walking over and kicking her repeatedly, like you fuck, you abandoned me, huh? <laughs> um, and then when her power slamming Mizuki repeatedly, because Mizuki used to have to assist her with her power slams, was a better fucking callback than anything in Johnny Gargano versus Tomioka. Tomio- I gotta say the fucker's name, Johnny Gargano <laughs> and Champa. Okay, fuck them. That was a better callback. <laughs> but yeah, I said don't at me and nobody added me about that when I said that on Twitter. So no one no one disagreed enough to to go for the to break the do not dare at me. But yeah, um like at one point Maki Ito took like an airplane spin and the camera the camera I thought was really funny was like doing the shaky camera thing. Yeah. To match how how dizzy Maki Ito was stumbling around. Um this is a point in the match, apparently, where I just treat that this rules. So I guess I was pretty into it. Um, there was another, there was a really cool camera shot where Yuka like, came flying in from off screen, 
for her springboard splash, the I think the Maha Shoujo splash. And Maki like just like gets her knees up and it was really a really cool visual. Because so, just to how she could fly in off the screen and then just immediately hit knees. Um at that point, Mizuki like tried to headbutt Maki Ito, which you'd think her of all people would know better. You cannot do do you know the reason why you can't headbutt Maki Ito? No. Why? Because she's so stubborn. <laughs> and like, you know, she does has a hard like in Japanese, I guess, like you have a hard head when you're like a stubborn, you know, kind of stupid person, honestly. And that she's she know she has that hard head. I think it's also because she has a big head, quote unquote. Which is um, you know, like a big head as in like because she's a fucking idol. You get it? She has a yeah. big head. So like the, the other reason why her head is so hard. But yeah, so she basically like just totally, you know, shook off those headbutts, uh, just kept beating the shit out of her. But then there was a, then they, they came back, they hit the Maho Shoujo splash, and then Mizuki hit the double stomp off the top, which I thought was going to be the finish, uh, but but actually there was a save there, so that was a really awesome near fall. And then Maki Ito went down literally screaming. <laughs> she ran she ran at Mizuki, but Mizuki turned it into the cutie special, and that got the pin. Yeah, I went four stars on this. This was awesome. Um, you know, I just thought, you know, obviously all the stuff with Mizuki and Ito was great. And this was just a really great tag match. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think you brought up a lot of points that I would have brought up. I always love um, the unexpected move flying from off camera. Yes. <laughs> that happens. They do it in Dragon Gate all the time with the with uh, Ryo Saito's rocket. Yeah. The, rear, where the camera will the be on someone and then all of a sudden he pops into the frame. Yeah. Um, so I always think that's fun. You know, the, the spinning and the, you know, zooming in and out of the camera. Um, yeah, but I think you really uh, made all the points for me. It was a really good match. I thought the whole top of this, you know, top of the card was really good. Um, yeah. and, and flew by. I mean, this was such a quick show for me to watch. I don't know how you felt watching it. Um, oh, but yeah. it, this is really like, for me. Boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tokyo Joshi Pro, if, like, if you count them separately, like, they're my promotion of the year. Because every single, there is never, like, when Tokyo Joshi Pro is coming out with a show, I'm never like, fuck, I have to watch Tokyo Joshi Pro. It's just, it's always like, even when they don't have, like, really, really good matches, like they did here, like, the shows just fly the fuck by. I'm super invested in all the characters, I'm super into all the storylines. It's just it's and they have they put on some great tournaments too, so yeah, just like I was, you know the the tournament that you won recently was really good, so it was just, what the princess princess, or was it the oh princess cup thing, but yeah, I mean it was a you know just a really really cool promotion this year. Now if you count them as DDT, like that to me gives DDT a huge edge, which I think is how they're going to be counted like an observer type award since you count NXT as part of WWE. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, they're a great promotion. Never, their shows always fly by for me, but this one really, really flew by. Um, and we have our main event, the Tokyo Princess of Princess title. Um, Miyu Yamashita defeating you with the Crash Rabbit Heat in 1709 to retain the title. Um, I, I, I should have looked this up before. Why did she lose the title to you? It was 2016, I believe, right? Uh, hold on. I'll t- um, she I lost the title... Uh, yeah, 2016. title to you on September 22nd, 2016. Yeah. So, so this was a, their first singles match, I believe, since that since that one. 
And they might have fought each other in like a tournament or something. But yeah, so last time you beat her by TKO in 1426. And that that ended Yamashita's first title reign, which was the, the first title reign period in, you know, in Tokyo Joshi Pro history. Um, you know, so you at that point, you held it for 255 days, which is not quite as long as Miyu, Miyu's first reign, which was two, 262. Um, she lost at Yuka Sakazaki, who won it on June 4th, 2017. She held it for 83 days. Uh, she lost it to Reika Saiki, uh, August 26, 2017. She held it for 131 days before Miyu won it back on January 4th this year. And she's had it ever since, which is now 238 days, so approaching her own record. But yeah, this is, um, you know, I think Miyu, Miyu is, first of all, she's probably my favorite, my favorite ace in wrestling this year. I think she's just had awesome match after awesome match for this title. Um, you know, the last Corkin I thought her match with Rika Tatsumi was awesome. Um, you know, the one she had with Yuna Manase was pretty awesome. And when she won the title from Reika Saiki, that was, that was a really, really good match as well. Um, so Miyu went to, and, and most of those I mentioned were at Corkin Hall. I don't think the, the Manase one wasn't, that was Shinkiba. But the other two, you know, you and Tatsumi and Saiki were all at Corkin. So I'm starting to associate her and Corkin with like these awesome title matches, you know? But, um, but yeah, as far as like this match itself goes, um, you know, it started with like a really cool, like extended ground grappling sequence that I thought looked really good. Um, you know, they both, they both were just kind of like grappling it up there. Um, Miu like kicked her really hard in the face, like we're under five minutes in still. And I was like, okay, this is going to be pretty physical. Um, and then at one point you had like, you had Miu down in a, like sitting in a chair on the floor and tried to like run and jump into her. But Miu moved like the last possible second and you like crashed in that chair and like sent the chair flying back in the barricade, and she hit that barricade so fucking hard. Like I screamed, honestly. I was like, "What the fuck was that?" I don't know. I don't think she really meant to hit that hard, did you? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was, I don't know that. And I, I don't ever know when people like hit stuff <laughs> like that if they mean if they're like, "I'm gonna hit it at this certain," you know. Yeah. I think you just go and you're like, "However, I hit this is how it's it's gonna be hit." But yeah, that was like that looked brutal though. Um, but then after that, she recovered pretty quickly. She powerbombed Miyu on the ring apron, which I have to note here: Miyu Yamashita took that powerbomb on the ring apron in Cork and Hall a hell of a lot better than the IWGP Heavyweight Champion took a powerbomb on the ring apron in Cork and Hall. Do you remember that bump he took with Tamatanga, where he like took the powerbomb on his ass? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it, looked yeah, yeah. Like sh- it looked like shit. I'm not even convinced it's like really any safer. It's like you can could you like break your ass or something? I don't know. But it was that was looked really bad. But here me you took it really well. I'm like honestly it looked like it almost killed her. Um but yeah, then there were like some at that point we had like the you basically started doing like these really hard forms and chops in the corner that just looked really, really vicious. And then Miyu like damn near decapitated her with like a high kick. That was like really brutal. Yeah, and that was my highlight of the match because the announcer screamed. <laughs> I at that I think point, I think I screamed too. Oh, um, yeah, but um, Miu was like, did you see that she was marked up from the chops? Yeah, she was. She was. She was all, her chest was all red. Yeah. So yeah, she was. They were. They were just beating the fucking shit out of each other here. It was. This was like. This was worked exactly how I would have wanted to see it because, like, when you look at it, these, are basically the two aces of the company. They're both like these two, 
like I, they've been built up really well as these two like really strong forces in the company. You know, me was the only two-time champion. You was the one who beat her last time, and she just won the this Princess Cup tournament. Like these are clearly the two strongest wrestlers in the company, and like you know, they just had this match where they just neither one of them ever looked weak. Really, they just basically you know stood there and traded bombs and beat the shit out of each other the entire time. Like that's exactly how I would have wanted them to work this. So I thought it was really good. I mean, this is this is a rare match for me where I thought like usually a match will go too long. I thought this one too short. Like yeah, you kicked you you got pinned in seventeen oh nine with that crash rabbit heat. I thought you was going to kick out of that, and I think the crowd actually thought she was going to kick out of that too. You know, even though it's Yamashita's finisher, I I, I think that would have been a crazy kick out, and I think they could have done like another three to five minute like closing stretch. I mean, I wanted Yamashita to win, so I wasn't like upset or anything. But um, but yeah, I think this could have used like another three to five minutes, and I think you know could have hit like a, another level. I still went four and a quarter, and I still thought it was really awesome. Um, they fucking beat the shit out of each other. I liked it a hair better than the the Shayna Blazer Kari Sade match from Takeover, which I know a lot of a lot of people liked a lot. I, I mean, I gave that four and a quarter as well, but I liked this one just like a hair better. So yeah, I thought it was fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty much right with you. I went four and a quarter. I was close to four and a half. Yeah, uh, I, I went back and forth a lot. Which probably would have gotten to if they would have had more time. Um, just, I love the grappling at the beginning. Um, and I loved the hard-hitting uh, nature of it. So it yeah. was totally a great... I I really loved it. Thought it was a great match. Um, you know, it's hard to compare to that Baszler... Sane match. Yeah, they're two very different types of For matches. For me, they're very different types of yeah. matches, and they're kind of telling different um not to use a dirty word, telling different stories. <laughs> um I mean so, was, I just I just came to my head when I was tweeting it because it's like that was another woman's match that everybody loved. And I loved it too, honestly. But I was like, wow, I think I actually like this one just a little bit better. But you know, this is something that it you know, we talked about being like a G1 show, that first DDT show. I mean, if you took two two guys from DDT and did this match with them, I mean, I think you could see this in a, G, a G1, yeah. at a G1 show. I mean, the hard, you know, hard hitting. I mean, we had all those matches at this G1 that were really, you know, strike exchanges and chops and kicks and stuff like that. So it was worked in a very you know, hard hitting kind of G1 take no BS style. Like a Shibata Ishii match or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, like that, um, you know, like Ishii Goto match or the, you know, Ibushi Ishii match, like stuff like that, where it's just, we're going to stand and we're going to hit each other really hard. uh, And whoever hits harder is going to win. Yeah. So not a very good show as, it's been a really good year for Tokyo Joshi Pro. If you're not watching Tokyo Joshi Pro, I mean, if you're not watching DET, you should fix that too, honestly. But Tokyo Joshi Pro, I mean, it's it's worth it's worth signing up, paying for DET Universe just to get Tokyo Joshi Pro. Like that fee is worth it just to see these Tokyo Joshi Pro shows. So you can fucking do it and just call DET a bonus if you really want to. So I mean, well, yeah, that's it's definitely DDT Universe is such a huge value. Yeah. To me, which is why I recommend it more than other uh, streaming services I watch, just because you get it all 
So if you only really like one thing, it's still a, if you only watch DDT, I mean, it's a good value. Yeah. But the fact is, there's also, you know, all these other shows, you know, Tokyo Joshi Pro, they're always putting up this older content or having specials. I just think it's a really well-run service. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so I totally agree with you. Like, sign up for one, and if you don't watch any of the other ones, then you don't. But, I mean, they're there, and they're doing good stuff. Yeah. Um, so highly recommended by me. Yeah, if you have the universe and you're not watching Tokyo Joshi Pro, fix that. <laughs> and this is a good place to start, too, because... Um, you know, it's a big blow-off match. All you really, really need to know for that main event especially is that these are the two strongest women in the company and they're going to beat the shit out of each other. That's really all. That's it. And you can enjoy that one. You don't really need to know any backstory. Um, but yeah, really good show. So let's move on now to the final of the three Corkin shows. BDT, Blackout, Present, King of DT 2018 final round. Corkin Hall, 1,033 fans. So this is a weird one where I thought... I. I thought I may have been spoiled on the winner of King of DDT. Like, someone tweeted out, like, just, like, Daisuke Sasaki and, like, all caps or something. So I was like, oh, maybe that means he won. But I wasn't 100% sure. So, you know, it was still, there was still, like, intrigue with me there by the time I was watching this. But, yeah, uh, we'll get into it here. First of all, did you see the undermatch? Because I didn't see it. I, I was watching the Samurai TV version. Uh, I did. Was it? It was Iwasaki um, beating Shimatani yeah. with a crab hole. Hold an 809. Was there anything to it? No. Okay. So <laughs> moving on then to the Chichu Hide Goodbye Series final match, Lucha Libre rules. Shinshiro Takaki, Toru Washi, and Kazuki Hirata defeating Akito, Yuki Ino, Gorgeous Machino, and Saki Akai when Hirata pinned Ino with the Miracle One-Shot Cradle in 10-01. This was fucking awesome. I mean, this is like... Everything I want out of a DG comedy match. A great way to say goodbye to TGH Day. Um, it's kind of sad they're breaking up, right? I mean, I know their their whole gimmick is that they suck and they don't really want to be together and they're a joke, but they were awesome. <laughs> and it's I'm so kinda... funny because I don't even like sometimes I don't even really think of them together, <laughs> even though they are together. Like when they were all the um, ultimate Ultimo, you know. I don't cousins or brothers yeah. or whatever they were yeah. like they're still together but they're like oh these are some you know dragons we found <laughs> um but you know it was a good group but like three years i think they, they lost right. a long time but i don't know if maybe harada goes in a direction that's like that you know, the King of DDT match where he's more serious is it yeah. more worthwhile for him to do something yeah. like that yeah you know probably. Really depends, I mean, and I think he'll always be. You know, I don't think they'll, you know, never team again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe they don't, but. Um, well, I mean, he might be in the in disaster box now, so. Right. But yeah, so this was a goodbye match. Um, even even their last match, Owashi wouldn't let him dance at the start, and then he he gave a great. Sometimes he's really funny with these, and this was like a really funny one where like. Um, in, he, if you watch him in the background as Hirata's getting in the ring, get ready to dance, like he's moving, like with the music, like he's into it, and then all of a sudden just kicks him. Like that was really great. Uh, and then of course, like everybody came down and gave him the stomps. Even that, what is that penguin? It's like a sponsor, right? 
Yeah, it was the sp- I think I think it was the sponsor the for like the blackout energy yeah. drink or whatever yeah. it was. So the, the, the giant penguin got in the ring and they all like put the boost <laughs> assisted him. into the ring. They had to like lift the penguin yeah. up the stairs and like shove him <laughs> in between the ropes. Oh god. I was like this this is the message having like crying laughing. And like this is like DDT comedy in a nutshell, which was missing on the last show, I think. But yeah, I mean, like this is a match where I just tweeted that, like, and this is early on. I tweeted this, like, I can't imagine not loving DET. What a waste of your life! <laughs> it's like, how is pe- how do people not watch this? How do they not want to see a giant penguin put the boots to hear it? That, like, that is just so great. And then, um, uh, Senshiro Takagi. Speaking of six one nines, he did like the worst six one nine in wrestling <laughs> history. And then Akito, like, so Akito gets hit by it, takes like a little bump. And then, like, jumps backwards and takes another bump. That was so great. I don't know if he was planning to do that or, like, he just thought it was so stupid. Such a stupid 619. He thought that'd be funny. Um, but then, so, so Gorgeous Macho Nose starts singing. Um, Akicho, his partner in the match, mind you, he, like, walks up behind him and, like, lifts him up in, like, a gut wrench hold, basically. And then does a, na- a nasty-looking gut wrench slam. Like, he Nose landed pretty hard. Yeah, so he, he landed on his head or on his face or something. And yeah. I went, oh, no. <laughs> and this is also you can do power para. <laughs> so he like he takes out these glasses like how um like like how Hirata has glasses and Night of Fire starts playing, which is a very famous like power para song. And if you don't know what power para is, folks, um if you know what voguing is, like it's sort of the same. It's like, you know, these wacky like arm dancing where you're just really dancing with your arms and like you know, making like these movements. Um, so here to put his gla- put his glasses on. And at first, I thought it replaced uh, Night of Fire with Tokyo Go, but even better, it started playing both at the same time. Um, and they, we had like a dance off because, like, you know, Hirata was winning. So then um, Yuki Yuki Ino and Saki Akai both came in as Akito's backup. And they both were doing the power power with him. Uh, I, Saki Kai, very attractive power power dancer. She looked really into it. She looked like she was doing a pretty good job. Uh, Yuki Ino, not as good power power dancer, but he tried. He tried hard. Uh, although he was not the worst one in this match because that was still the cow. Uh, but then, like you know, Owashi and Takagi came to hear at his aid and started doing his like hip gyrations and shit with him. So like the dancers going back and forth and like the music would like get louder for one or the other, depending on which trio was winning. And then Gorgeous Macho just started singing. <laughs> like, cuts them all off and starts singing again. Um, but then the Power Power starts again. They all start dancing, including Matsuno. And God bless Gorgeous Matsuno. He was the worst Power Power dancer in, I think, like, recorded human history. Like, he was barely moving his arms. <laughs> he was very, very bad. Like, he's supposed to be, like, doing these movements in time with everybody else, and he's sort of moving the, moving his arms in time with nothing. It was very, very bad there. Um, but then then we had the, uh, you know, like the, the, the triple roll-up spot, and then, you know, here to end up getting the pin on Eno with the miracle one-shot cradle. So, yeah, and after the match, Takagi and Awashi both, like, applied fake tears. to Like, they took out a little, like, a... Uh, little water bottle and like applied the fake tears to each other so they could to sell how sad this was. So yeah, this was awesome. I don't know. Do you have anything to add? Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Uh, 
I mean, you really co- <laughs> you really covered it all. Yeah, it was a fun. It was a you know a really fun match. The fake tears almost killed me. That was really good, and the the power power stuff was was really awesome too. Uh, all right, why don't you start the next one then? King of DT semifinal, Tetsuya Endo defeating Mao with a modified Yuri Kamome hold in nine forty five. Well, so of- I'll cover both of the next because the next two were the semifinal matches. I don't know yeah. if you agree with me. Both of the matches, to me, felt they were both short. Yeah. They were both about 10 minutes. And to me, they felt like, oh, it's people who have to wrestle twice on the show. The yeah. winners have to wrestle twice. So they're kind of just going through the motions and just getting to the next match, the final match. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so, like, I don't even have any big points of the match. I thought they were fine. Not that they were bad matches. I don't want to say that they, you know, stunk or anything. But I, I, thought, just thought, I thought, I know, Matt was a little bit sloppy. I just thought at the end I was like, well, that was a match. And, you know, in two weeks I won't even. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was a match that I watched at some yeah. point. I went two and three quarters on Endo and Mount. I went three and a quarter on uh, Sasaki Harashima. So I like that one a little bit better, but they're both just there. Um, yeah, to- I totally agree. Yeah, uh, I liked. I did like the the finish for Sasaki Harashima. I thought was really good. Just that you know, it felt like a supernatural counter at the end of the the sequence with Harashima missing the reverse Rana, the way he just like rolled him up with that crucifix. So I did like that. But other than that, I just thought it was a match. Uh, after that, we have the the no touch four way tag. What the fuck did no touch mean? Did I miss that? I somewhere? don't know because the match like broke down within about <laughs> five seconds. So. Oh, no touch. I think it's like, like tornado. Yeah, like right? you don't have to yeah, tag. Okay. But yeah, it was a Brahmin match, everybody. So, so much a cow and Mad Polly defeated Brahmin Shu and Brahmin K. Kudo and Masahiro Takanashi and Keisuke Ishii and Mike Bailey went to cow pinned uh, Takanashi with the gin and tonic in 646. Um, I, if you don't know what a Brahmin match is by now, then I don't know what to tell you. You know, I I really enjoy them. I got a kick out of it as usual, but like, it's not a lot to recap. They did all the Brahmin spots. Yeah, it was a bra. It was a Brahmin match, and it's the match that, you know, the Brahmins. I feel like show up in DDT like once every like six months. Yeah, not even six months. Like once every two months. Oh, oh, oh yeah, I guess so. I feel like this is like the. Now I'm gonna look up. Two or three months, yeah, I think. So their last match was August first. So, uh, and then so it's actually more like once a month because then they were there July eighth. Okay. Oh, but they hadn't shown up before that, so that's what I'm thinking of. That they've shown up three times in the last two months. Okay. What was the last match before July eighth? The last one before July eighth was. January 3rd. Right. Well, that's where I'm getting six months from, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we were both right. Um, but yeah, it's a Brahmin Brothers match. I don't know, you know. I, think I really want f- someone, if someone could please, if anyone wrestling, like, wrestling tastemakers happen to be listening to this, which you're, I know you're not, but if you are, please bring the Brahmins to, to New York City next year. Pretty please. <laughs> it would be awesome. How awesome would that be to have the Brahmins on every show? Like, can you imagine that the Brahmins on the WrestleCon Super Show or something, or like on a on a GCW show? I uh, mean, they could show up GCW. Yeah, because they have that big Japan thing. So come on, hey Nick Gage, if you're listening, come on, give me some Brahmins. Um, 
But yeah, so that was the Brahmin match. Uh, match number five was Don Shokudino, Makoto Oishi, and Super Set Sango Machine defeating Shigehiro Irie, Jason the Gift Kincaid, and Mizuki Watase. When Dino submitted Watase with the Mako Killer 2 slash Homo Naciente, which is like the Soul Naciente. I totally, I mean, it does look exactly like the Soul Naciente. That's a funny name for it, the Homo Naciente. Uh, 447. Was the, this was just a match, basically. Uh, I think just a match, and then I think the focus now, even without the title, is Irie Dino. Yeah. Pretty, like we yeah. talked about, I'm still not sure to what end, especially now he doesn't have the title. Yeah, I mean, they're doing a three-way match, so I guess we'll see right. from there. I mean, I, my personal prediction is neither one of them is going to win the title back. Whatever's going to happen, we'll, we'll, we have questions about this, so we'll get into it. But whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and there's going to be some kind of Irie Dino gimmick singles match at Peter Pan. Like, that's what it's leading up to. But I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, the the post match stuff was like Irie like ripping on Dino's shoulder, like trying to rip it out. Basically, it, me- it meant a little bit less since we found out that you know Dino loses anyway to Mako a few days later. Right. But yeah, um, and then we also announced that this match is Sasadan goes fighting the giant panda. So yeah, and oh yeah, the- and didn't he didn't he come out and say, oh, this is a bad time? Did he say it- something like, this is a bad time to tell me about this? I think so. Let me say. Oh, because he came back out. He was wearing Dino's. Yes, he was wearing Dino's thing. Yeah, Dino's uh, uh, costume, and he came out, and I think he was like, "Well, this is a bad time for me to make a speech." <laughs> yeah, because he was wearing Dino's costume, so it did look a little weird. Um, I mean, that'll be a good match. So there you go. But he, there's, there's also where Dino revealed that he resigned as, D, as DDT producer since he, he, he said now that he's KOD champion and has a spot in the Sumo Hall main event, he no longer needs the producer role. So there you go. <laughs> sorry sorry for you, buddy. Uh, but Iria basically wanted a rematch, but Dino was like, I can't give it to you because, uh, you know, producer. I'm not the producer anymore. Um, and Iria kind of ranted back saying he's going to kill Dino. So I guess we'll see there. Um, but yeah, so then, the, then we had the semi-main, which was the special six-man tag team match, Tatsumi Fujinami, Antonio Honda, and Yukio Sakaguchi, defeating Kasusada Higuchi, Gota Ihashi, and Yuki Ueno. Fujinami submitted Ihashi with the Dragon Sleeper in 939. Um, I don't know how the fuck Fujinami still looks in like half-decent shape. How old he is looks, he? He's 64 or something Jesus. like that. How did he, he still is, look that good? He's 64. Yeah, he looks great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so this is, uh, this was just kind of a match though. I don't really remember that much from it. Do you have anything, any big thoughts on it? Well, my one thought was Ahashi, Higuchi, and Ueno is like a dream team for me. (laughs) Uh, I thought they were great. Ueno has new gear because he was wearing that white gear. Is that new? Did I miss that on another show? Uh, I haven't watched it. Like, did that come in one of the shows I haven't gotten to? I think I might have come up already, but it could be. It was kind of very jarring for me because I'm so used to him in the black. Yeah. And he came out in white, and I was like, who is that? And I was like, oh. Yeah, I think it's because he joined that disaster box. Yeah. Yeah, but it was a match I enjoyed, you know, in terms of the kind of the old guys that seem to float around to all these promotions. I mean, Fujinami's pretty good. 
as you said, he looks in really good shape. And a lot of the stuff he does, like the dragon sleeper, he can still do, obviously. Yeah. Um, and it continues the story of Gota Hashi facing down these legends before yeah. the next uh, Power Hall show. Um, and then the main event, the King of DET final, Daisuke Sasaki defeating Tetsuya Endo with the crossover face lock in 2136. Um, I, I should have mentioned this earlier, but I, I said I was like, I thought I might have been for Sasaki winning, but the, the Endo winning the semifinal came first. So when Endo won that, I was like, wait a second, is my spoiler wrong? Are they, are they really doing Endo Sasaki? And then Sasaki won his too. So it's like, oh, they are doing Endo Sasaki. Um, what'd you think of this one? Did you, did, cause I didn't, I think I might be the low person on it, but I wasn't wild about it. Now okay. you said you thought you were spoiled. I knew I was spoiled okay. cause I saw someone tweeted about, they said, Oh, um, damnation has won the last three King of DDTs. Oh, was, oh, okay. I think damnation's won like every single tournament since they have before. Yeah. Cause it was Suji in 2017. It was endo uh, or 2016. It was endo in 2017. And then Sasaki. So and, I knew. And Chuji won the Dio. <laughs> yes. Um, I just thought it was kind of a match. Um, I was I was hoping. I mean, I wasn't hoping because I knew he didn't win. But I would have been. I think I'm a little bit of the. I hate to say the low man on Sasaki, but I'm not. Wow as crazy about him. Like, I like him. I think he's good. Um, but I would have been interested to see Endo. I was actually thinking about Endo at the beginning of the King of DDT tournament because... Um, and I don't know, maybe you have a thought about this. I thought that with all this confusion at the top with the title, that maybe he could get in there and win it. Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, he I mean, was pretty... I close last year a lot of people thought he was gonna win yeah i definitely thought he was gonna win um, when he didn't. but look i mean i with me like as far as who's gonna win this match i did not give a shit honestly i love both guys so much um i love endo and i and i i'm not a person on sasaki i love sasaki i think he's like one of my favorites but that's partly why this match is so disappointing for me though because i had very high expectations and i really just thought it was a match um but i went like three and a half so it was a good match but I just thought it was a little bit slow. Um, just like it felt way below the level of that quarterfinal stuff we talked about yesterday, except for maybe Mao and Bailey. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like the and plus Endo, like you know, they they did like that leg work early, and Endo was like jumping around and totally forgot about it, which is not something I enjoy. So I would say le- left the leg stuff out. But um, but yeah, I mean, I still went three and a half. I still liked it, but I did definitely think it was disappointing. I'll be interested to see if maybe they just don't, you know, we don't have a huge body of work here for the two of them as opponents. So maybe they just don't have a lot of charisma as opponents. And, you know, Damnation is very popular. It, it almost felt like the crowd didn't really want to see them fight each other, you know? Right. Like, I got that vibe. The crowd was not that into it. I, I really think, like, a big part of it was, like, the Damnation fans in the audience just did not want to see them fight each other. So, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was a bad match, but I just definitely, you know, I was expecting better and... But yeah, I have no problem with Daisuke Sasaki winning. I feel like he took such a backseat this year that, you know, this was clearly like building to that. You know, like it was kind of like building to, well, he's going to be in the big, the, a big deal in the second half so we can right. like ro- rotate him down. But what I'm interested to see, what do you think? Do you think at Peter Pan, 
I, I think he has a chance to win. I think he will win. I think he will win. Right. And I think it would make the most sense at the current moment for him to win. I don't know if someone else gets a gauntlet and cashes in. and So, yeah. So, here's the thing. It? There's still a gauntlet out there. Um, saying who actually technically has it would be a spoiler for the Mae Young Classic. Because that's where Mako lost it. She lost it to the Mae Young Classic. Um, and the person she lost it to is not going to show up in DET. But there is precedent for, I mean, Dino just did this. There is precedent for someone giving their gauntlet to somebody else. So you could have somebody show up between now and Sumo Hall saying, you know, I got the person's gauntlet. You know, she gave it to me. I mean, that could happen. So, right. and ultimately, I think that's what will happen. I think someone will show up with this missing gauntlet and beat either Mako or whoever cashes in on Mako. I don't think Mako Satomura versus Daisuke Sasaki is going to be the Sumo Hall main event. It could be. It would be great um, if it was. I I'm would, interested in that match. They would have an awesome match, probably. So it could be the main event. But I do think someone's going to show up with a gauntlet. And we'll see who, basically. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if, if it's Mako versus Daisuke, then I think it's 100% Daisuke's winning. Because Mako's not going to be a long-term champion. She's got, you know, she's got her own promotion to run. But... Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, they could do it. I could, I one of those two scenarios. I do, I do not see Iria winning the title back. I do not see Dino winning the title back. I think they're going to fight each other in a singles match uh, at at Sumo Hall. So, and we got a bunch of questions on this. So basically, just answer it now. Like, well, and I think Suzaki. I agree with you that he's going to win. So I think Iria has no chance because I don't see the point in having him win it back again and lose it again. Yeah. That to and, me and seems Saki, the least likely scenario in yeah, all of this. Saki and Dino have no beef, really. They have no feud, so they just did their feud early in the year. I mean, they just there just really isn't anything there. So, but yeah, that's why I think it's either gonna be Mako or somebody. Do you agree with me? Either Mako or somebody cashing in. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the thing with me is, we only know, we know the super. Um, we know that match, Super Sadango Machine. Um, do we know any other matches? Am I forgetting? Um, there's matches? that the, the wave match with Makoto and his wife. Oh, that's right. The the, yeah. the wedding match or the marriage match. The Makoto Oishi and his wife against... Uh, what, what's his wife's name again? You watch Wave. Uh, Misaki Ohada. Oh, that is the one you really like. Okay. Yes. Yeah, um, I watch Wave. But yeah, him and Misaki Ohada against Joey Ryan and... Uh, Joey okay. Ryan and Laura James. Thank you. I can never remember Jordan. Um, but like, if they came out and they were like, the tag title match is Mao and Bailey versus yeah, then you know they're uh, not going to be. Yeah, I don't know, like Ishikawa and uh, and or someone else big or some outsider who's a big name. Then I could see them pulling Satomura and Sasaki in the main event. Yeah, um, because they're going to have to have some other match to draw, you know to draw people in who might not go otherwise. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if they're going to announce that soon or if they announce it in a little, like, I just don't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I th it's going to be interesting any way that it happens. It's certainly exciting not knowing what's going to happen as opposed to heading in and just saying, okay, here's, you know, X, Y, Z is going to happen. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so there you go. So that's uh, that was the show. It was it was a more like DDT show with all the comedy and stuff. 
but yeah, definitely nothing on this show came to the to the level of uh, that first night. I think it was the weakest of the three shows. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, so we both, but on the on the main event for Peter Pan, I think Mako versus Daisuke is second most likely below somebody cashing in. Who that would be, I have no idea. But somebody, yeah, I can't even think of who would be yeah. the. I mean, it could be like somebody like Takashila because I think he'll be back in time. So yeah, it could that. be. But all right, so that is DDT. We talked almost two hours just on DDT, so and I hope you enjoyed it. I I love talking DDT. I never I never get enough of it. But we should move on to some other stuff. First of all, the little show coming out coming up this weekend that you and I are both going to called All In. Uh, as mentioned at the top of the show, I have third row seats to this, and <laughs> I'm not not very thrilled with the card. Um, You've been punished. You... You've been punished with third row seats. I've been punished with third row seats. Um, like you, they, for people who don't know, by the way, these, the, the tickets were not expensive. Um, even like the ringside were really not that expensive. It was just uh, the sheer luck that I somehow got those tickets when I you know logged in and bought them. I don't, you know, I would have gotten, I would have been fine with anything, honestly. But you know, when they, when that came up as like the best available, I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll take it. But you know, looking back on like why I decided to go to this, it was like the they had, they had announced Okada, right? And I had this thing in my head like, you know, Okada. Okay, well, if Okada's going, they're gonna have a big match for him. You know, I was thinking, I was imagining something like, you know, dream partner tag, Okada and Pentagon or. Okada and Rey Mysterio or something like that against Omega and Ibushi. Like, that's what I had in my head. And I was like, that could be really awesome. I want to be there for that. That's um, not what we got. <laughs> we got a match with Okada and Marty Scroll, which is, of the, my disappointments of this card, that is by far my biggest disappointment. If Okada was in a match I really wanted to see, um, I think I would be able to overlook a lot more of this card. The fact that he's in a, a match against a guy I have like less than zero desire to see him face, a guy who I fucking cannot stand, one of my least favorite wrestlers, like that to me is what really killed this card for me. Because if I had Okada and you know something, something Okada in a big match to look forward to, I would feel a lot better about this card. As it is now, it's like, well, there's one match I'm really into, and then nine other matches basically. So. That's my general thoughts and explaining why I'm not that thrilled here before we break it down. Well, and we'll go through. Um, and But I think the show a little bit was hurt by the fact that, that the first match announced was Okada's Girl, yeah. which didn't set the world on. Like, if that was... If they had announced that six-man first... And then maybe a couple other matches, and then Omega Pentagon, and then a couple other matches, and then Okada Skrull. I think people might, you know, I don't think it would turn anyone around 100%, but I think people might think differently because I just remember that match was announced and it was kind of went over like a lead balloon, and that was the first. I think that was the very first match that was announced. Yeah, I think it was. Um, if it was not the first, it was definitely one of the first. But we'll go through. We'll go through this. I'm um, more positive on the show than you. Not to say I'm 100 percent positive, and you'll see as we go through. But 
you know, I think the show is a little bit better than, you know, looking at it again, it's a little bit better than I initially thought it was, but we'll cover that as we go through the individual matches. Um, okay, so it starts out with some pre-show stuff. First of all, the Briscoes against SoCal and Censored, Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. Couldn't give less of a shit about this. It's a Ring of Honor match. Uh, yeah, I agree. I'm trying to think what the last Briscoe match I watched that I was like, oh, that was really great. They're, they're having a really tough run this year from what I've seen. Now, granted, I, they might have turned it around because I haven't watched any Ring of Honor in a while, but like the, the Global Wars, like when I saw them on Global, the Global Wars tour, they looked really awful. So I don't know if they just like age is finally catching up to them and all the bumps they've taken or what, but they just they have looked really bad this year. Yeah, but I think this is. I mean, it's on the pre-show. It's the first match on the pre-show. So, you know... Oh, I'm not saying it make or breaks the card or anything. No, no, no. I'm just saying, I, with this one, I kind of shrug my shoulders and go, oh, it's a match, you know. Oh, well. It's a Ring of Honor match. It's a shitty one at that. Uh, Over-budget Battle Royal, a 15-person Battle Royal with the winner getting a world title shot against Jay Lethal um, later on in the main card. I mean, the, the world title shot thing is a cool little idea because... It did make this match actually feel like it, you know, matters, which is a good idea because otherwise it's a stupid battle royal. So, you know, a good plan by them there. Um, we have, let me see how many names so far: four, five, six, seven. So we know eleven people so far: um, Jordan Grace, Moose, Rocky Romero, Coke Cabana, Ethan Page, Brian Cage, Billy Gunn. That was that actually popped me. That was really funny. Um, Jimmy Jacobs, Marco Stunt. Brand, who the fuck is Brandon Cutler? I have no idea. What so that Brandon is. Cutler is a friend of the Young Bucks. Okay. Um, That's the only he, name here. I was like, what the, who the fuck is that? I think he did some PWG, or he's from that scene. He's from the um, SoCal scene. He was also on the Amazon Dojo Pro show. Yeah, I'm not, never going to watch that. Um, <laughs> so he was on that. Um, but his main connection, and I think he said this when it was announced that he was in it, was, you know, that he's friends with the Young Bucks and they came up training together or so on, or, you know, working together in the first few years. So that's more, that's the fun. connection there, yeah. <laughs> and then the last one, the last team announced was Punishment Martinez. That was announced a couple days ago. So that's 11 guys. I guess the other four might be surprises. Um, maybe they won't announce any more. Who the fuck knows who they have lined up? My dream scenario, because you know, I, I tweeted this out like a week ago, because Naito is going to be in Mexico City <laughs> the night before to face LA Park in a six man tag. So he goes to Mexico City, he kicks LA Park's ass, he flies up to Chicago, he's a surprise entrant, and he wins the Battle Royal, and he beats Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor World title. And then that weird Naito Suzuki match that's for nothing on the Destruction Tour has a title now. So there you go. I don't think it will happen. But I want to look like a genius if it does happen. So, well, how about this? I'll one up you. Okay. Um, Naito is in Mexico. He loses to L.A. Park, who then goes and is in the Battle Royal, <laughs> wins the Battle Royal, wins the Ring of Honor title. Naito comes out and challenges him, and they make the Suzuki match a three-way. Oh, Naito, okay. Park, and Suzuki. Yeah. How about that? All right. 
I think mine's a little more realistic, <laughs> but not that much, though, so it's fine. Uh, it's going to be fucking Flip Gordon, probably. Who the fuck are we even kidding? But Yeah, I think whoever wins is someone who hasn't been announced yet. Yeah. So there you go. Um, it's a battle royal. What do you want me to tell you? Like I said, making it for that title shot is probably one of the smartest things they did. But, you know, it actually gives us a point. But yeah, so those are the two pre-show matches that are airing on WGN. Um, after that, let's go through the main card here. Um, so Jay Lethal is defending the Ring of Honor World title against the winner of that battle royal. I see a lot of people say that Jay Lethal probably won't lose it here. If I was them, I would totally have him lose it here. Why not have your world title lose change hands on a in front of the biggest crowd ever? I guess no, it did change hands in Tokyo Dome once in a, in a heatless match. <laughs> um, well, why not have the title change hands in front of a, a rabid crowd? I don't know. I don't, I don't know why it's such a foregone conclusion. But. I mean, I think it would be an interesting idea. Really I don't cool know moment. that it will happen, especially with on the um, being the elite, the the hint of him being Black Machismo. I think yeah. if he goes any comedy, he's probably not losing it because sure. it probably wouldn't be a great thing to go. Oh, comedy! Oh, and he lost the title. I mean, it's not a great thing to have your fucking world champion come out as a Randy Savage ripoff on a mid card match, anyway. But Yes, that is correct. I mean, there's probably a handful of people where if they win, I mean, if it's Flip Gorn, I guess he could win. I guess he could beat Lethal. Yeah. Um, if it's Naito, like you said, I would think if it's Naito, he's definitely going to win. Yeah. Um, Martinez could. Martinez could beat him. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's one of those things that's hard. I mean, so stupid to say, but it's hard to say without knowing who the winner is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, like I said, that that whole thing, the battle royal on the title match, it's one of the smarter things they've done on this card. I mean, I'm not sure it's going to lead to a great match or anything because, you know, Jay Lethal doesn't have that many great matches these days. But, you know, I think it could, you know, it'll be it'll be good probably. Um, then I mean, we have... Oh, sorry, another, uh, another dream, I just thought of this as we were sitting here. Uh, uh, another thing I would love is, um, you know, Jordan Grace is in the rumble it would be interesting if jonathan gresham came in and won because he and lethal actually have had a series of great matches yeah in ring of honor this year it would be another one um i don't know if they do another match where he would lose the title but i mean that would be another interesting thing that i just kind of thought of as you know we were talking uh i mean it's been the highlight of his title reign i guess but uh, okay, so the four-way match, the women's match, very, very progressive here by the progressive indie leaders. The get all the women on the card match. The here's the ladies: Madison Rain, Britt Baker, Chelsea Green, and Tessa Blanchard. I don't know who could possibly care about this, but there you go. Uh, yeah, it's just another. It's a match. Very, uh, very creative booking of the women here. Then we have Christopher Daniels against Stephen Armel, or Arnell, what the fuck it is. I don't watch Arrow. I don't give a shit. Um, you know, I don't care about the the being the elite. Being the elite has been really weird on this because I do you watch being the elite? I don't even know. So I watched for a little bit, and then I stopped watching when I realized the only thing I was watching for was the match announcements for All In, and the <laughs> minute they go up on YouTube, people announce it on Twitter. So I just hang out on Twitter when the episodes go up and I figure out what the matches are in about five seconds. I usually watch it every week and 
the only really good thing, honestly, is Okada making fun of Marty Scrawl, but which we'll get to in a second. But this this match here, like they had this really weird and long build with like Christopher Daniels setting up Stephen Arnell for the quote unquote murder of Joey Ryan. And never, I guess they sort of explained why he did that, but didn't really explain. And, you know, then Arnell's like, I want a match and, you know, to get my revenge or whatever. But then the go home show this week, they completely ignored that entire storyline, maybe because of how silly and stupid it was. And they were just like, yeah, uh, Chris Daniels shows up when Arnell's trading. And Arnell's like, I don't like him because he's, he was rude to me in San Antonio. That's what he told Cody. He's like, Cody, he was, uh, he was rude to me in San Antonio. And he's always wearing Marvel stuff. He fucking tried to frame you for murder, according to the show. And that doesn't come up as a, why you're mad at him. It's like, oh, because he's rude to me. <laughs> it's just so stupid. But I don't know. I feel really weird criticizing being the elite because it's such a fucking stupid show. But, like, that's the entire build to this show. So I don't, I don't know. It was really dumb. And it didn't make me very excited for this match. It'll just be... A boring, slow Chris Daniels match with a non-wrestler. So just so you don't get blasted on Twitter, it's Stephen Amell. Okay. I don't give a shit what it is, honestly. I don't give a shit. It's Arnell, Amell. Don't give a fucking fuck. I don't watch so, Arrow. I don't watch shitty American television. You can, you want to at me and blast me for not knowing who this fucking geek is? Knock yourself out. I really could not care less. Could not care less. So I like, will say... So I was in there live. I was in arena for Stephen Amell's first and only match, which was at SummerSlam like three years ago. And I thought he did pretty well. I was really surprised. And I think this match could be surprisingly good. So I am looking forward to it. And I don't watch Arrow. I don't watch Arrow either. So I don't have any um, interest on that way. But I just remember seeing him the first time and he faced – Cody um, at SummerSlam. And I thought the match was really good for what it was. You know, some guy who had never wrestled before wrestling, you know, in like the third match on SummerSlam. You know, and uh, in terms of what the background story of any of these matches are, I know that they're explaining them all on All In, but I don't really care about that. Like, you might as well have just say, here's the match and it's happening just because this is the match that we want to have happen. Like to me, I mean, I'm... This, is, this is the only one they really tried. To, I guess this, and to a lesser extent, another one. But this is like the one where they really tried to have like a quote unquote story. Yeah. I just thought it was really stupid. They just dropped the story in the last week completely. But like, why bother them? I don't. Yeah. But, but I, don't... I think this one could actually. I think it could surprise people. I think it might be better than people think. Okay, I don't give a shit, honestly. So, but that's fair. Uh, Joey Janela with Penelope Ford against Hangman Page in the Chicago Street Fight. Um, again, this is a weird one for the build because, you know, going in, you'd think it was going to be Hangman Page and Joey Ryan, but we're still running with the idea Joey Ryan's been murdered. Um, it's never really been explained why Joey Janela stepped up for Joey Ryan like this. Um, he just kind of did. But yeah, I mean, this, especially once this became a Chicago Street Fight, like, this is probably my second most anticipated match on the show. Um, I don't even, I haven't even seen that much Janela, but I've liked Paige a lot this year. Um, he had a really good street fight with Bris- with Jay Briscoe out of Ring of Honor pay per view randomly last year, so I know he can do this type of match. Um, but yeah, this could be this could be pretty good. 
when it was first announced, I was a little concerned that it was going to be a comedy match. Yeah. And like Joey Ryan would like descend well, Joey from Ryan the... Is, Joey Ryan's totally running into this match. Like that is happening. Right. But I thought that he would maybe float in on an inflatable dick or something like that. <laughs> um, but now that it's a Chicago street fight, I feel at least part of it will be good because, yeah. and it's actually probably better for Janela who is, I think, better in the kind of crazy do-wild-shit matches than in a standard let's-have-a-wrestling-match. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll probably be pretty good. I don't know that it'll end well um, if it ends with Joey Ryan running in yeah. and f- flipping people around with his dick. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, it could be good. I'm, I'm a little looking forward to a little more now of the street fight, so we'll see. Uh, the next match, all right, Kazuchika Okada and Marty Scroll. Luck, folks. Okay, I got a lot of shit from certain people on Twitter for not liking this match. I understand the point that this is probably right up the alley of like the Bullet Club people. I know for a fact it is because I've looked at the replies and stuff. Like, I'm sure most people in the building are gonna love it. I'm sure they loved it from the day it was announced. But what did it's just not what I wanted to see. Me personally, just speaking for myself, when they announced Kazuchika Okada, I was expecting a lot better than the fucking junior heavyweight who flaps his arms like a bird. Okay? I was expecting a lot better than that. Um, you know, Marty Sproul, he's one of my least favorite wrestlers. I really fucking hate him. Um, he had one really good match this year at Will Ospreay. Other than that, I think he's been awful all year long. Um, it just I really just cannot stand him. So they almost could not have booked Okada with a worse opponent on, on this card. You know, I, I may have rather seen Arnell or, or Amel, whatever the fuck his name is, against Okada than Marty Scroll. Um, you know, and the, and the buildup on being the elite, like people are thinking this, you're going to get like this blowaway match. First of all, Okada is not coming into the show to have a blowaway match with a junior heavyweight in the mid card. This is not. Okay, people are like, oh, 10,000 fans, the biggest indie show. Okada wrestles in the fucking Tokyo Dome. You really think he gives a shit about 10,000 fans in Chicago? I don't think he does. I don't think he cares. I think he's going to go out there and have it in, you know, be show neutral. Um, Marty Scroll, you know, I'm sure he's going to try his hardest here. He's not very good. And there's going to be a lot of comedy if being the elite's any indication because, you know, o- Okada's been doing a lot of really funny jokes, honestly. Like his timing on, like he he ran to Marty Scroll last week and like pantomimed like the numbers 205 with his hands while going like five as he like walked away. And that was hilarious. Like the look on Marty's face when, when Okada does that is just like, he looks so wounded and hurt. Like that, Marty Scroll is great at like, you know, he should have been like a comedy actor, honestly. That's what he's really good at. But as far as like wanting to see them have a match, you know, Marty finally did. People people were kind of tricked this week when Marty finally did like a little bit of a serious promo about how he doesn't want to be a joke or whatever. But it was a setup for Matt Jackson going, who is Marty talking to? Like even that was a joke. So I don't know. I, if, if they go out there and have like this blow away, like we're trying to have an amazing match kind of thing, then I guess I'll be wrong and I'll be surprised. But I think they're going to go out there and have mostly comedy and maybe they'll do the little stuff, but it's not what I want to see out of Okada. I would have rather seen him against almost anybody else. So, All right, here we go. I got to <laughs> crack the knuckles on this one. So I agree with you that it's probably not the match I would have 
I hoped for or would have wanted. Um, and I agree with you that I think Marty Skrull has not really had a great year outside of that Will Ospreay match. But I think that this match, especially because everyone has gone, well, this match will be bad. The expectations are basement level, I feel like, at this point for a lot of people. I think this match could be pretty good because I think I disagree with you. I like Marty Skrull. Um, I've always had a soft spot for Marty Skrull because years ago, he was one of the first people I started watching when I expanded my wrestling watching, and I thought he was really great. And I think that him being in the Bullet Club is hurt because he's leaned more into the comedy, kind of wacky yeah. stuff because it's over with people. And I think that a, I think that part of this match will probably be comedy. I think maybe if the match goes, I don't know, 20 minutes, the first five minutes might be comedy. And I think, if anything, they might be comedy from Okada. I agree. Um, I agree that Okada's going to take it, treat it as a joke. But I think, I don't, I don't think the whole match is going to be comedy. And I think at the end of the day, to me, Okada could probably have a good match with a stick. Um, he's one of those guys like an Ibushi or someone like that who I think could have a great match with anyone. And I think on this show, Marty's going to want to have a good match. And I, I just think the match is going to over-deliver what people think. Now, people think it's going to be absolute garbage, which means it almost can't under-deliver. Yeah. Um, but I think it's going to be better than people think. Look, if it's a three and a three and a quarter, three and a half star match, um, I'm not going to be that surprised. If it could be good, I just don't think it's going to reach like four star plus level. And when Okada got announced for the show, I thought I was getting Okada in like a really awesome match, and I just don't think that's going to this match is going to be it. So, um, you know, if I'm wrong and they they go out there and have a four fucking half star match or something, then great. But my expectation is they won't do that. So. Um, Nick Aldis versus Cody for the NW World Title. What the fuck do you want me to say? Like, do I have to bury this? It's fucking Magnus and Cody Rhodes. It's okay, it's gonna fucking suck. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> like, what? What the fuck? Like, what do you want me to say? It's Magnus and Cody. Okay. Uh, what do you think on a Cody Kenny match? By the way, I don't, I don't think I remember seeing your thoughts. Which on from um the the title match. Yeah, I thought it was not good. Um, yeah, I didn't think it was good. <laughs> my um, least, I really think it might be my least favorite IWGP title match ever. Like, I was trying to think of one that was worse. And I really couldn't come up with anything. Because, like, even that match where, like, Kensuke Sasaki falls down and pins Bob Sapp. First, or not Bob. Yeah, or pins Fujita. I'm sorry. When Fujita has the, the choke on him. That's fucking hilarious. And it took three minutes of my time. Not like not thirty or whatever the fuck they went. So no, because that's the one I think people would counter with immediately. And like, no, that was better. Like, I can't think. Of, I really can't think of anything. Like I don't. I don't know. Maybe maybe one of those sixty-minute matches. Maybe like uh, like there's Tenzan Kojima sixty-minute ones. I don't remember those being that good. And again, you just have to sit there for so long. But but yeah, I just I I can't see it being worse than Cody and Kenny. So I fucking hated that match. But yeah, so Nick Aldis and Cody. This will probably, hopefully, this goes like ten minutes. 
but it'll probably go like twenty five. So tell me. Do, do you think do you think Cody wins? I think they're gonna do the dusty finish, which would be really funny. If yes, they have that would an, be funny. If they have an ounce of creativity, they'll do the dusty finish because that would be perfect. But, it's funny because that would be perfect, but I also I mean it's really a tough, you know, between a rock and a hard place, but I would almost rather see Cody win the title. Like I I'm not. I, I don't give a shit about the NWA. I don't know the nice way to say that. Like all this stuff, I know. I know it's popular with like the flagship and people. I really, like, could not give less of a fuck about the NWA, the NWA World Title. So you know, if if you do, then I guess more other people might care more about this than I do. But I just, I, it really does not matter to me. Well, I haven't yeah. really since Nick Aldis won the title. <laughs> uh, I was kind I, of. I never. It. I never gave a shit. Honestly, so. I uh, cared well, until I realized none of the matches were good. None of the matches are good, and there's no promotion. Why do people care about a belt that just, like, there's nothing there? I don't know. I, mean, I guess because it's, like, the traveling belt, but, like, it's supposed to travel to NWA promotions, not travel to a vacant TNA set. Like, I don't understand. Like, what is what is the appeal of a title with no home that just, like, appears? Now, what if um, Bruce Tharp shows up? <laughs> That'd be awesome. I'll mark out. That would be stuff. great. I, I would. Can I can I go on the record here? Sure. Big Daddy Yum Yum better than either guy in the match. There you go. I would much rather see Big Daddy Yum Yum than Magnus or Cody. Um, <laughs> at least he would make me laugh. This might just make me cry. So Kenny Omega versus Pentagon. Um. This is the match that I'm sure most people like. When I said there's one match on this show that I feel very confident will be four plus, most people are probably like, "Well, what about Kenny and Pentagon?" It's like, first of all, um, you know, I'm not the biggest Kenny Omega fan in the world, especially right now. So if you like him more than I do, you're probably more confident in this. I could easily foresee a world. I mean, look, this might be awesome. I'm not denying that it could be awesome. I could also see a world where it's like Kenny making his faces. Kenny pretending he's scared of Pentagon or Kenny like, you know, strutting around the ring like he's not scared of Pentagon. Like, I just, I could see, there's a very easy vision in my head for how this match is like really overblown and infuriating. So, like that, I could, I could totally see that happening. In which case, most people probably love it anyway. So, whatever. I, I'm sure, I'm 100% sure they'll have a great match for the audience in the building. I'm just not sure if I'm going to enjoy it. So there you go. That's my Kenny Pentagon preview. It could be awesome, but it's not, I don't feel reasonably confident that it will be like super blow away or anything. I feel, and I haven't watched any of the recent impact wrestling stuff. That's gotten rave reviews. I always feel like having seen Pentagon now a couple times live and a bunch of times um, on different shows. He never, blows me away and always feels to me more like the charisma the charisma like an aura and he comes to the ring and everyone does Cerro Miedo and then the matches are kind of fine and he does the spots you know he does the Canadian Destroyer you know he does the kind of his it's the very u.s indie style to me which is i'm doing a match and i have 10 things i do here are my 10 moves that everyone loves and i'm doing the match up and now i got my 10 moves in and now it's the finish because i've done my 
you know, Canadian destroyer and I've done my different moves and that's it. It's just kind of a series of look, everyone, you're seeing the moves you really like kind of in order. And then the match ends, which really doesn't draw me in very much. So I'm interested to see if on, I think this is the main event. I mean, maybe no, it's not I, no, it's a semi-main. Oh, it's a semi-main. That's right. But on a big spot like this and with someone like Kenny Omega, I'll be interested to see if it goes in a different direction other than, hey, we're, you know, I'm an indie guy, you know, showing you my cool moves that I do. And we're all chanting, you know, Zero Miedo together. Yeah. I mean, that's Um, what I, that's what I foresee it being. Like, I'm sure it'll be fun. I'm not expecting like a match of the year type match. I mean, I certainly hope for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I'm with you that I'm not really sure. Uh, I think I am probably one of the lower people on Pentagon Jr. who I knew a lot of people love. And like I said, has gotten rave reviews for his stuff in Impact. So I feel like it is possible that he could have a great match. But I think I'm with you that I'm more on the fence about whether this match will be great or not than other people are. And then the main event is Rey Mysterio, Phoenix, and Bandito against the Gold of Elite, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, Kota Ibushi. And like this is the one that I will be not be grumpy about. I think it'll be a really fucking awesome match. Um, I was a little bit surprised by how much pushback I got when I was just like, I was just saying that I felt Ibushi was a little bit wasted a six man tag here. I get that it's probably going to be a really awesome six man tag, but like, I don't know. It's just like first of all. It, We've talked so much about like you know if shows didn't hit sell out immediately, you know would would they be getting the cards that we got? But people seem to not think that was the case here. And I'm like I think if they sold five thousand tickets in ten minutes instead of all ten thousand, Coda Bushi would not be in a six man tag. Like this match looks cool and all, but it would be Coda and Coda and Omega the Golden Lovers trying to draw with that, or Coda in a singles match. That's what I think. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this would have been the plan no matter what, but I think that is, I think they were able to book this match because they didn't have to draw any tickets. Um, with that said, I think it'll be fucking awesome. I just don't see how it couldn't be. And, you know, this is the one match on the show that I am legitimately excited for. So I'm not going to be a grump about it. This is, this is the one match that probably will be quite great. I just wish there was more of these on the card, honestly. I think that this match is the type of match I wish was more prep. The type of match I should say I wish was more prevalent on this card, which is just kind of putting people I like against each other. Yeah, which is kind of a weird way to to put that. I don't really mind Abushi being in a six man. I don't know if he would have been in a six man if the show undersold. Um. I mean, I could see it going either way where I could see that he wasn't a six-man, um, but I could also probably be convinced that he wouldn't be in a six-man. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, but just to me, it's an exciting match to see, you know, combinations of guys that, especially with Mysterio probably going back to WWE very yeah. shortly. I mean, probably the last chance to see him. I think... Mysterio's New Japan run has been now obviously he got injured, but I think it's been pretty terrible. 
Yeah, it's really um, disappointing. Being just put in these kind of multi-man matches where he doesn't really do much. And I think this is a lot more exciting than anything he's done. I'm really excited for Bandito because I think Bandito is amazing. And I'm very excited to see him kind of get a spotlight. And I actually think he is someone in a in a card that sells only 6,000 or 5,000 out of 10,000 seats. I don't know that he's yeah. in the main event. Yeah, that's true. That's um, because obviously I have watched him in, you know, Dragon Gate um, and, you know, he's in AAA and different places. So I'm very familiar with him and I love him, but I don't think the kind of casual viewer at large is. But I think in when you sell out the card, you can kind of take a chance knowing that he'll probably, especially with Phoenix in there, probably do some crazy stuff that'll get the crowd way behind him. Yeah. Um, but I think this match is going to be great. I mean, I'm sure the Bucks will go crazy. And I think the Bucks, as I said, uh, on our mid-year review show, I think they're having a tag team of the year type year. So I'm sure that they'll go 100%. I, you know, you know, Abushi will go 100% because he seems incapable of going any less than 100% at all times. Yeah. Uh, so I think it'll be a great match. So, um, can I can I bring up something that I haven't seen anyone else say? But I'm, I'm cautioned to say it, but I feel like I need to. Uh, with, without knowing what it is, sure, go ahead. With one of the two trios being the you know entirely, I don't know, Hispanic or Mexican. I'm really concerned about someone in the crowd either yelling something racist or chanting something racist. I don't know. Like the well, to be honest, I'm concerned about the crowd almost in general. every wrestling yeah. crowd I go to in the US yeah. saying or don't chanting say this so all people people are gonna get mad. Call you like call you fucking names and shit. I look <laughs> people who get mad at Anyone, because I saw with Joey Bay and I were going back and forth, and someone got all pissed and was subtweeting me. And it's like, I'm sorry, Japanese crowds don't just fucking sit there and yell random shit. They don't. It is not being an Asian fetishist or something to say that Japanese wrestling crowds behave very different, differently from American wrestling crowds. They just, they aren't, there's no one sitting there yelling shit in Japanese. It's just not a thing there. You and I have both been a lot of Japanese wrestling crowds. They just don't do that. They yell wrestlers' names pretty much, and that's it. Now, am, I, yeah. am, am I lying here? No, you're not lying. And I will say I go to a number of shows in the U.S., and there are still people who say things that are bad. I mean, that's yeah. a simple way of putting it. I will say I have noticed that people are much more willing now to push back on that kind of stuff. Yeah, which is good. Good. I don't know that it'll happen here in a big 10,000-seat arena where it's a lot harder to turn to your neighbor or turn to the person, you know, a few rows over and go, hey, don't be such an asshole. Yeah. Um, I mean, I certainly hope that no one is an asshole on the show, but, it's, I mean, at any wrestling show, it's a possibility. It's always building, a possibility. When the building this big is just going to come down to where you're sitting. Like, you may end up in a section where just there isn't anybody doing that much shit or you might if you end up with that one guy that's fucking working out his amateur fucking comedy routine who i always somehow end up sitting by that guy at ring of water shows in new york 
um, it's going to be a bad night. And that's the only thing, again, that I worry about as someone who does not go to that many American wrestling shows now. And a big reason why is because I can't fucking stand seating. <laughs> ended up next to that guy all night long. But, but yeah, yeah, and I will say to be the optimist in the situation is that, I mean, the Ring of Honor crowds are terrible. Yeah, they're really notoriously awful. bad. I, my hope would be that this is such a big, you know, kind of a big deal show. You know, 10,000 fans, there's a lot of excitement. It's been built for, you know, all this time. My hope would be that as opposed to Ring of Honor, when maybe you go to Ring of Honor in your town or it's in, you know, wherever you are, and people are just like, hey, I'm going to a wrestling show and it's another, you know, wrestling show that I've been to and I was at one two months ago or whatever. There's, I don't know that, um, I don't know, to be a little bit cheesy, but, you know, all in also includes the audience being all in. You know, they bought, they sold the show out in 30 minutes. And I would hope that they would go to the show saying, hey, we're here to, you know, to show that this can happen, you know, 10,000 seats, you know, there is a market for this kind of thing. And that yeah. so they would want to be on their best behavior. Now I think there will probably be stupid things that go on, maybe that are not offensive, not stupid in an offensive way, but just kind of people who are stupid. <laughs> yeah. Because um, there are stupid people everywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, but my hope would be that the audience would go with the idea of, you know, we're all in this and we're going to be a good crowd because we want to prove that you know, this is something exciting and this is something hot. And, you know, we want to see this more and not try and ruin it with, you know, racism or sexism possibly in the women's match or, you know, anything like that. But you never know. I mean, yeah. you could tell me that it'll happen and I would totally believe you. And you could tell me it wouldn't happen and I'd also believe you. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll basically, we'll wait and say. But, yeah, that's the other thing I'm worried about for the show. As far as the card itself goes, it does not look very good at all, in my opinion, other than one or two matches. So, um, but yeah, you're—I know you're a little more into it than I am, but that's just my general opinion. Any other final thoughts? No, I think I am into it a little bit more than you, and I think you know, I'm just going now at this point. It's like I bought my ticket. I'm going. You know, I'm going to have a good weekend and yeah. I'll go and it'll be a fun wrestling show. And if I don't love every match, then, you know, well, yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, no, I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying that you're being, you know, I know. Like some people have been like, well, why are you going and all that? Or da, da, da. like, I'm not saying I'm going to go be tortured or anything. Like, I'm still going to go hang out with a bunch of you guys. You know, you I've seen before. Some of the ones I've I'll meet for the first time. That'll be really cool. I'm um, going to an AW show, which I've never been to before, which. I might actually be more exciting for than all in, but I'm going to have a good time. It's not like I'm going to have a bad time. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not upset that I decided to go or anything. I just wish the car was better. That's all. But let's talk about the destruction shows very quickly. Just some main, just some main events. Um, don't even have to talk about the Corkins. It's pretty much just, I mean, look, the first Corkin is Ishii and Osprey against the Golden Lovers. It's a pre that could be a pretty cool tag match. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, the second Corkin has a another big another tag match with Tanahashi and Juice Robinson against Okada and Beretta making his return to the tour. Uh, again, that could be pretty fun. 
it'll be interesting to see how Beretta is now that he's back from his injury. And then they're going to show the the show from the ninth in Chiba, I guess, just because it's Kojima's comeback match. So we got a main event of Kojima, Yuji Nagata, Tenzan, and Nakanishi, the dads, against Makabe, Honma, Juice Robinson, David Finlay. Just fun that that's making tape, I guess. I'm happy to see Kojima back. I don't know yeah. that I'm that excited for the match, but I'm happy he's back because I like him and I think he's a good, you know, I think he's a good wrestler and he's good on kind of the lower ends of the cards. What do you think about Ayato Yoshida on these cards? I know some people freaked out about it, and I, I, I totally get where they're coming from. I mean, like, you know, I shouldn't even said freaked out. I, like people, I, I heard the flagship basically say, you know, you know, Tai Dojo isn't really anything. Uh, you can't really get a complaint when they take a guy from it. But if you're a fan of Kaitai Dojo, like you're still allowed to be upset, you know? Like I just think that you don't have to be so dismissive of people. If they're into Kaitai Dojo and they don't they're not in a new Japan, then of course they're gonna be upset. Why wouldn't they be? But because it looks like this is the start of him going to New Japan full time. He's on the entire tour, and it seems like what they're gonna do here. But yeah, I mean I, I totally get why they're why people would be pissed off about that. Yeah, I totally see both sides. I mean, to me, to me, if this became an every, you know, if this became a WWE thing where it was every week, you know, someone else, you know, Kaintai Jojo, Wrestle One, someone else was getting taken, getting taken. Yeah. I think that would concern me a lot more. Yeah. You no, know, if it's agree. one guy and he wants to go, then he wants to go. I totally understand people being upset because if someone, you know, I don't watch Kaintai Dojo that much. Yeah, but I if, don't either. For example, someone from DDT or Dragon Gate or Wrestle One or any of these promotions, you know, it was like, oh, they're going to wrestle, you know, New Japan. Now I watch New Japan, so it's a little bit different. You know, I might be a little upset. Or when people go to WWE, you know, <laughs> yeah, I totally I understand that it's like it's your decision and you're free to do that, but you get bummed out, and that's a natural. Yeah. I mean, it's totally natural, and it's a fair reaction to say, "Oh, I'm bummed that this guy who I really liked um, is going to promotion I don't like." He's going yeah. somewhere else. Is going somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Um, but if it's if he really wants to do it, then yeah, I do. I, mean, I see more no problem with it from from that perspective. But I hope it's not a become. I hope it doesn't become a regular thing because I know there are there are like high tai dojo fans out there, and they deserve to have a promotion too. Uh, December fifth or September fifteenth, I should say, destruction of Beppu. This is a show with the Omega and Tomohiro Ishii main event. Um, really not much else in the show at all. Just a never six-man tag title match with uh, Tamatanga, Tongaloa, and Taiji Shimori defending against Juice, David Finley, and Taguchi. But uh, yeah, I don't obviously not really don't foresee Ishii beating Omega here. Um, do you think they can they can reach the level of the G1 match? Because I think it'll be tough. I don't know if they'll reach the level, but it seems like every match they have is good. So I'm not worried about going in and saying, oh, the match might not be good. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be their best match. I don't know if it'll be their worst match, but I'm sure it'll be good. I'm not really worried about it. And these destruction shows, I mean, last year they were terrible. They were awful. These were better. They were so bad that I'm like, okay, that is one match. I know it will be good. Yeah. And these cards overall, like at least, you know, it'll still be a, a bit of a grind because like, there's only one or two big matches on each show, but at least like the main events do look better. Um, I should have correct myself, by the way. That was Destruction Hiroshima. I think it's it was Beppu. But yeah, Destruction Hiroshima on the 15th with Kenny and Ishii. Uh, Destruction Beppu is on the 17th 
the main event is that really weird Naito Suzuki match. It's like for the Phantom Intercontinental title. Because it's still a 60-minute time limit and everything. It's like Naito still has the Intercontinental title, even though he doesn't, basically. It's very weird. But yeah, what do you think of that match? It's a weird match. Yeah, and the first match really did nothing for me. Yeah, so I went like I'm, three. And a, I went three and a half on it, which for me, for two guys who I really love, they should tell you something. So, so I was not really that high on it, and I'm not really that high on them going right back to it. I mean, not right back to it, but in yeah. a way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of a shrug. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll improve on the last one. Who knows? But it's so, just really weird that this is like for a phantom title, basically. Yeah, but that one's more of a kind of sh- you shrug your shit. You go, oh well, hopefully it's good. And then the semi-main is Hiroki Goto, my boy Taichi, in a semi-main, the eighth match of the show for the never open weight title. I'm actually really pumped for this, but um, you know, I know there's not a lot of Taichi fans out there, but I'm really excited for this one. I don't think Taichi's going to win, but I would love it if he did. I think it'll be good. I think I said this during the G1 that G- Goto, I feel like. Ha- always has good matches kind of under the radar. Yeah. Um, so I I think it'll be good. I think I agree with you that I don't think Tai Chi will win. Yeah. Uh, but I do have a little doubt. I guess they could do it. Yeah, they could. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that'll be, I'm sure that'll be good. Uh, September 23rd is the final Destruction show, Destruction in Kobe. Uh, Tanahashi no Kata. I'm a little surprised they're doing this on Kobe, but it's a, it probably deserves to be a main event, but it's a really big match here, um, and Okada could win. I don't think he will, but he that doubt will be there. You know? It's not a rights holder match where you look and say the, the challenger has no chance, like with Naito Ishii last year, or like Carl Anderson Okada or something. So, Yeah, and I feel like eventually with these matches happening where they say, if you win, you get the briefcase. Yeah. Eventually, someone has to win because if no one ever wins, you're taking the drama out of the match. So I think it's certainly possible. And I think at this point, Okada Tanahashi has reached the saturation point where you can put it on a show like this in the main event and probably draw a fairly good number without having to burn anything else just because it's happened. So I'm surprised they haven't done it in the States, to be honest. Yeah, me too. Um, Yet. I always love I love every one of their matches, so I'm excited for it. Um we'll see we'll see. I, I like the I did like the one in uh I told Taku a lot, so um and the semi main for that is the first of the two IWGP junior title tournament semifinals, Kushida and Bushi. I'm i I think it's pretty stupid the way they did this. I mean, you have this entire tour, why not do a more full tournament than four people? Like why the I don't get what like it's just they're, they're like oh the last four champions who are in the company or whatever but it's like yep why not let Desperado be in there and Taiji and you know I don't know even like Jushin Thunder Liger or Tiger Mask or somebody Show or Yo like they could have done a way more fun tournament just felt like they did the most perfunctionary tournament they could do like I understand your hand was forced but why not have some real fun with it but, yeah, yeah uh, I'm of two minds I. I I would have liked to see them make it bigger, but I I guess I understand them doing a short one. I'm sure that they were just like, let's just get to a new champion and move forward. Yeah. Um, especially because I think it would come down to probably who we think it's going to come down to. Yeah. In terms of like break the glass emergency 
who are you going to put the title on? You're probably going to put it on Kushida or Osprey, I would assume, or maybe Skrull again. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I agree. It probably would spice up these cards a lot, but it feels like they, with these shows, they kind of keep the undercard sort of basic. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially last year we talked about they were so bad. I mean, so... Yeah, I might have to not watch the undercard for some of these shows. Like, I need to... I don't know. Like, they were just so awful last year. I think but, these are a little bit just like get in and get out shows. Yeah. It feels like. Um, let's briefly talk about the Fighting Spirit Unleashed matches now so far because, oh boy... So a week later at the Long Beach Walter Pyramid, so far announced, Juice Robinson versus Cody for the U.S. title, the Young Bucks against G.O.D. for the tag titles, and Will Ospreay versus Marty Sproul in the other semifinal. Yes, folks, not a single Japanese person <laughs> announced for these three matches. Uh, wow, <laughs> that's pretty terrible. I don't know if they're going to announce something last minute with Kenny when he beats... Uh, Ishii, but I, I just sort of doubt they're going to announce a title match like that. Um, yeah, I think this is pretty much it for the top matches. and That's pretty fucking terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, I totally... Well, totally. I disagree with them coming back to Walter Pyramid again. It's not something I probably would have done at this point. And... I wonder if they just feel like at Walter Pyramid at this point, they're just going to draw a number. And so they're just putting whatever, just throwing stuff on this card as a way to just get things on the card. They're going to draw, probably thinking, okay, we'll draw the number we draw regardless of what they put on the card. I mean, obviously outside of a huge like Okada Omega match or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Osprey Skrull will be good. They always have good matches together. Um, I'm interested to see the Young Bucks and G.O.D. just because of how god-awful Tamataga was in the G1 to see if that bleeds over to the tag stuff. Because yeah. I'm, I'm worried it might. Like, I'm worried that this now running in and interfering in every match thing is going to become the whole gimmick. Yeah, I agree. Um, because I think they could have probably a pretty good match. You know, a two-on-two standard match, I think, could be pretty good. But my concern is that we've moved past the point where the firing squad is going to operate on any kind of level that isn't, oh, we're interfering in the matches because the gimmick is, we don't care. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that show. If I was going to Long Beach, I'd be pretty fucking pissed. I would not go, honestly. I would find a way to sell my ticket and like, and call the airline, and tell them like I'm dying or something. I don't know. That I would. So then, so if All In is looking for a bonus point, it's at least better than that shit. There you go, All In. Congratulations. Um, all right. So that is our preview. And by the way, the King of Pro Wrestling show at Sumo Hall in, which I think is October sixth. That is where the junior title tournament finals will be. So the two winners will face off there. Uh, all right. So let's quickly do questions because we got a whole bunch. Um, at Oyster's Earrings says, what, what do you see Ito's ceiling slash trajectory being within Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling in the coming years? Um, she could be the ace, right? She's super popular. I if mean, I like, think 
if she I, can wrestle a little better and like really like have like epic, which I think she's already on her way, honestly. If she could have like really epic singles matches, she could be the ace. Why not? I think anyone in that environment, when they have people behind them like she does, I agree with you. I think the ceiling is very high, could be the ace, because, I mean, if you have people behind you, the wrestling doesn't have to be letter perfect, and I'm not saying she's bad, and I think she's good and could get better. So I think the ceiling is quite high as long as people remain behind her. Um, Thoros asks, who would you have chosen to face Okada if you could pick a realistic choice that's not on the card? Hmm. That's a good question because it's what to find real. I don't know what the definition of realistic choice is. I assume he means like somebody not signed with WWE or even like WWN. And the problem is I don't really know that much about the American Indies. Um, I don't know. Do you have a, do you have a good answer for this? Uh, so I thought about this one. I have one. I went through a couple that didn't really work. Mine would be, and I don't know if this is quote unquote realistic based on, you know, different allegiances or whatever. Mine would be Walter. Oh, I was going to say like, that might be like, as you started talking, it was like, maybe Walter would Walter work. Yes. I would go with Walter. Cause my other thought was if it was a couple months ago, my thought would be riddle Matt riddle. Yeah, but now, he, he yeah, was WWN, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he could have gotten out of that. Yeah, but I mean, I, I guess I guess Walter's the guy. I guess that's that's a good one. Um, Wayne Taylor is at, at Slurm three sixteen. Do you feel doing Omega versus Ishii so soon with the G one match is a waste? Personally, I would have had it at King of Pro Wrestling or Power Struggle and build it up more and really get the hate between the two going. Um, no, I don't really think it's a waste because I don't think anyone buys the issues going to win the title anyway. So you might as well get it out of the way and then do something bigger for King of Pro Wrestling like Omega Ibushi again. So, Yeah, I agree. I think it's a match. It's like I talked about with Okana Tanahashi. They've done it so much that I think it's probably going to give you a number in terms of the draw. And I don't think a couple extra, I don't know what it would be, a, an extra month or so, to, yeah. to build a matchup is going to give you a bigger number. Yeah, um, I agree. So I think you just throw it on one of the destruction shows. It's going to draw the number you want, probably in that house that they're in. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like I said, they can. it's another one that they can pull out at any time. They're going to have a good match. They don't really need to build it. The build is, hey, they've had good matches in the past. Exactly. Um, and, you know, just do it at one of these kind of smaller shows. Um, he also asked, where do you see Naito factoring in for the rest of 2018 leading up to Wrestle Kingdom? I just don't see what he can do right now. Good question. <laughs> First of all, uh, yes, Naito looks like he's fucking dead for the rest of 2018, especially if Chris Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom is the match. Like, Chris Jericho's not going to be there. So what is there tonight for Naito to do? Probably nothing, which is pretty fucking stupid for your most popular wrestler by a mile. So... The answer is he's probably not going to do anything. He's going to wrestle uh, Minoru Suzuki on this on the on this show at the Destruction Tour. He's probably going to go for revenge against Zack Sabre Jr. at King of Pro Wrestling or Power Struggle, and he's going to fight Chris Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom. Whoop! Do you fucking do? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think they've. You know, I'm obviously not. Um, as big a Naito fan as you are, um, 
but I do think they've kind of painted themselves into a corner with him at this point. You know, I didn't mind him losing at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, but I don't know if they got scared about running the same main event at the Dome two years in a row. I don't know what the plan originally was. I don't know if the plan changed. But I think that now they've reached a point where you have to wait. And that wait might be too long. I mean, the only thing I could possibly even think of is that Okada beats Tanahashi for the briefcase. And Naito beats Omega, but then why would Naito get a shot? And Naito beats Okada somehow and gets the briefcase. But I I don't know that you're burning Okada Omega at Sumo Hall. I mean, uh, Okada Naito at Sumo Hall for the briefcase. I don't know that that would work. That would be a lot of, you know, I guess it it could work. I don't know that that's what you would want to do. And then you have Naito Omega at the Dome. Yeah, it's not going to happen. I don't think it'll happen. So I think that they're kind of in the corner of they have to sit on him until after Wrestle Kingdom. Well, okay, they didn't have to. They chose. no, they didn't have to. I'm saying at this point. I'm saying <laughs> they, at this point. I know. I know. They chose just, the path, and they're far enough down the path where you can't turn around at this point. Fuck Gato. Anyway, next up at AWQ 1985. How do you guys think the KOD title will play out for the rest of the year? Uh, we kind of talked about that, I think. I think we kind of covered that. Yeah, I think Sasaki wins it and probably yeah. gets a good length run, especially with all of this back and forth with the title going on. I think yeah. whoever, if it isn't Sasaki, if someone cashes in the gauntlet and wins, I think that whoever wins it next is going to have, you know, maybe not a year or that yeah, long. Like six months. We'll have a lengthy, yeah. you know, hold on it. And then are we Team Ito or Team Mizuki? Team Ito. <laughs> team Ito, yes. Uh, at Chaz Monroe. Okay, who do you think Suzaki will actually face Peter Pan? We covered that already. Also, do you think Hirata might move further up the car after making a decent spot in the tournament and a stable breaking up? Yes, I think Hirata is going to be a serious dude now. I think that's the thing. And I agree. Uh, at A-B-E-N-J-A-1. How would you book the G1 Supercar show if you were giving booking power? That's way too long. We're going to have to cover that another time. Um, <laughs> fo- you know, closer to the show. But yeah, we'll, we'll definitely t- talk about that. I don't know. Ask that question again another week is all I can tell you. Because you don't have a lot of time to do it right now. And the other question, what are some under-the-radar anime you can recommend watching? Taylor, the floor is yours. All right, here we go. <laughs> Boy, do we have enough time for me to cover all this information I have? <laughs> So the fact is, I watched anime in college because one of my best friends in college was really into it. Oh, my, you're really giving a fucking answer? Okay. Yeah. So I've only watched like four animes in my whole life. <laughs> By the way, it's anime. There's no plural. I've only watched four anime <laughs> in my whole life. Boy, wow. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to say one of the four I've watched, and that will be Blood Plus. Uh, um, I think it's called Blood Plus. Maybe I'm calling it the wrong thing. Um, Blood Plus Vampire? No. um, I don't know. I think it was called Blood Plus. That's my recommendation. Uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. There I see it. Blood Plus. It's based on the anime film Blood the Last Vampire. Okay. So there you go. The TV series based on 
the anime film I was thinking of. I've never follow seen me it. on Twitter for more anime <laughs> information. Um, something I'm really watching right now that's very under the radar that I like from this season is Angels of Death. Um, it's not a show I've seen anyone talking about, but like it's a really fun mix of like horror anime and comedy. Like the the comedy is really funny, and the the horror stuff, even though it's not scary, it can be very like moody and disturbing. So if that sounds up your alley, definitely you know try that out. Um, you know, Angels of Death again, very cool show. Um, from earlier this year, I really liked Magical Girl Ore, uh, which is like a it's a very kind of funny send up of um, just Magical Girl type shows. Doesn't have a high budget at all, so that can be a little distracting. But and then from last year, I really liked Blend S, which was really popular in Japan but did not really get a huge audience here. I don't think. And that's like a, if you're into Slice of Life, which I'm not normally into, that's a really fun one. Um, and it has like a cool little gimmick with these, they're all working at this cafe and like playing these characters that are, you know, tropes, but that the trope doesn't really match who they are in real life. So it, is, it can be pretty funny. So there's three for you. Angels of Death, Magical Girl, Ole, and Blend S, all from like the last year or so. And they're all available on various streaming sites. Or just watch Blood Plus. Blood Plus. Whatever. Blood Plus, I think still available on Netflix. Oh, wow. There you go. I think. Um, okay, so we got a bunch of other questions about the KOD title, which we already covered. Um, like three of them, actually, which we covered. Um, at the JML said, which Joshi wrestlers from outside TJP would you like to see against me, you, or you? Um, didn't you, wouldn't you go with your, your girl Ohada here? Yes, or um, Arisa Nakajima. I mean, to me, Momo Watanabe versus uh, Miyu Yamashita would be fucking awesome. Like, that would be... I'm really into both of them right now, and they're, they're both really awesome, so... Yeah, that would be seeing, a good choice, too. Yeah. I just think of people who could probably match her in terms of, you know, hitting hard. That's and I think, Nakaj- I think Nakajima's underrated in the whole Joshi, Joshi scene. Yeah, you watch, you watch way more stuff than I do with Joshi. I only watch Stardom and Tokyo Joshi. Um, so I think that they could have... A great match somebody. as well, yeah. I mean, Chihiro, Chihiro Hashimoto and you would be cool. They both have like a very similar like body type. You know, they're both like these like bigger girls with like the muscular muscularity to them. Yeah, and they, and they both do like those. Um, they both do like some like you know martial arts types. Like you, I think is judo, right? Yeah, and, she has a judo background. Yeah, you is judo, and Chihiro is obviously amateur wrestling. So that might be a fun little battle: amateur wrestling versus judo. So, yeah, I mean, that, that could be another one. Um, all right. So, oh, and someone said, he also said, if Mako makes it through Korokin, do you think they do the Mako versus Mia rematch? I, I fucking would love it, but who knows, I guess. I don't yeah, think she's going to make it through. I think someone's going to cash it on her or something. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right. Taylor, thank you for coming on for a marathon podcast. Thank you for having me again. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to... Oh. I just unplugged this thing. Do you want to plug anything before we go? I'll just plug my Twitter, uh, Tay Mambo, T-A-M-A-I-M-B-O. Find me on Twitter. I tweet about once a week, a single tweet (laughs) that goes out when I say, wow. And it's usually a positive tweet that's like, wow, I really like this show. Um, So my recommendation of the week, watch the uh, Kaki Ride main event, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, I really want want to Um, see it in the time, yeah. 
No, and hopefully um, maybe I'll make another appearance on the uh, all-in uh, post show if we, oh, do, yeah. if we do one I'm of gonna, those. I'm going to do an all-in post show for sure. I'll be like, who who I'm able to wrangle up, basically. So yeah. after the show over-delivers, yes. tune in and hear me really stick it to John. <laughs> uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Russell Omikaze. Wrestling would not fit. So it's at Russell Omikaze. Um, folks, I am very tired gonna wrap this up here as taylor just already said next week will be uh like a all-in post show that might that'll probably go up like sunday or something so you're gonna get like almost two in a you know in a few days but just how it worked out this week but thank you again for coming on taylor thank you everybody at home for listening and we will see you soon bye bye